Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. I should have stayed home and played with myself. What do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. Play chess? Screw. Well, let's play chess. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. Richardson going to take off and run. He's in there. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. The first career touchdown. Here's Halliburton into the front court. Mishandled it, but gets a shot. Hits it. Hits it. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome in. Man, it didn't last long for Adrian Griffin, did it not? In Milwaukee, already gone. As the Bucks head coach, uh, it appears that Milwaukee is trying to track down Doc Rivers, and that's going to be a good thing because at some point, don't we need a reunited and it feels so good uh, Peaches and Herb reunion with Van Gundy and Jackson and Breen? I mean, don't we? Nothing against Doc Rivers, right? But wouldn't we all? Haven't we all missed those two? I have. Show of hands. And I know I've said this a lot. I know I have said that really whoever's doing the TV doesn't concern me that much. And that's true. But if I do listen and I do want to learn and I do want to enjoy, I always did enjoy Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. Am I alone right there? So Milwaukee, hire Doc Rivers. And then maybe we can get that back. Is there any way we can get that back? I think that that would be suitable. I think that that would be desirable. Yes, there are a lot of really good personalities. One tonight with Purdue and Michigan on Peacock. Uh, by the way, I checked out Peacock this morning, and it said I no longer have, <laughs> I don't know, did it night last a week? I no longer have a subscription. I didn't know I signed up for a week. Oh, I'm sorry, two weeks. But on Peacock tonight, you have the Boilers and the Wolverines and Robbie Hummel and our friend Noah. Noah Eagle is a part of that broadcast later on this evening. Robbie Hummel is really good at what he does. But yeah, it didn't take long whatsoever. That is a team with stratospheric expectations. You know, talking about the Pacers, I did raise the bar on expectations. I did. And thinking you're going to have everybody together. And thinking certainly what Halliburton leading this team can do. But let's face it. And I do I do want to go back to Friday because nobody had a more well-equipped sports arousal than I did on Friday. I was excited. I was excited about Siakam. I was excited about the return. Siakam was heading out to the Pacific Northwest. 
He's D.B. Cooper. You're getting Halliburton back, and you know what? We've dealt around here with injury after injury, and it is always, right, always prolonged. It is never something that gets better quickly. Am I wrong about that? But you know what? This was going to be the exception to the rule, and I'm owning this. This was me on Friday. Friday's show, I was having a picnic for a sports arousal. I was that excited about it. I could not wait. We had Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports Indiana live from Portland before we ended the show in the 6 o'clock hour. He was equally as excited. I really like uh, sports talk radio jousters at the time. That's how excited we were. I should have known better. I should have known better. I did not think that if you come back too early, and believe me, I know you end up getting clearance. But at the same time, I would not be surprised at all if if Halliburton was saying, hey, you know what? We got a new guy. I got to get back. I just missed this game in Sacramento, and I'm itching. I'm feeling good. I mean, I think we've all done that with injuries, haven't we? Have we all been there with injuries? I got to get back. Just that we we suck, and he is really, really good. I got to get back. I feel like I'm getting back. It's like um, anybody ever go through college and you got um, you know a couple of chicks that are drinking Boone's Farm or something, and they say, hey, you know what? This goes down so smooth, and I don't even feel it. And those are like the words in a bubble above their head, and then all of a sudden, right down the hill, and then they're puking all over your couch. And that's kind of what we do with injuries. Ah, oh, man, you know what? I don't feel anything right now. I'll uh, pop a couple of Tylenol, and we're good to go. Why do you think I'm going through QC Kinetics right now? I mean, I want a different way to get through this, and I don't want to deal with the pain. But when the pain subsides, you think you're good to go. And that's why you have to have so much of a level of guarded optimism when you're dealing with somebody the level of importance as Tyrese Halliburton. And I'm sorry, there's no comparison in talent right here, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to do this, but if you're looking at the future and you have Tyrese Halliburton right here, this is where Anthony Richardson is. Tyrese Halliburton to this Pacer team is every bit as important as the quarterback of the Colts because that's what he is to this team. You are not as good, anywhere near as good in a variety of areas without Tyrese Halliburton. So I think that's where people like me, maybe even you, and in this case, the Pacers, and maybe even overwhelmingly Tyrese Halliburton, that's where you end up Erring in judgment. Now, Jake said something to me before we made the transition from show to show. He said, maybe this is an injury to where you really don't know. I, if you don't know with something like that, a hamstring, that's not something you jack with. Is it not? Especially with, with that. Like, that is a, that's a, a piece of, of artwork, right? That's something you put. You put Tyrese Halliburton in a glass case. 
until deemed 100% okay. And listen, I'm not scolding anybody because I can look in the mirror and I was as excited as everybody else on Friday. Guilty as charged. Hey, I can't wait. And it was like twofold. It was the excitement of getting somebody back along with a new piece to the Pacer puzzle. And it almost felt of sorts like an exorcism to the injury bug that has plagued Indiana, Central Indiana, Indianapolis seemingly forever, and especially with our professional sports teams. You know, we always say, well, this town needs an exorcism in terms of its sports because you can always count on the injuries. That's kind of what it felt like on Friday when you got the news, when things started bubbling a little bit that he was going to be able to play. He was going to be back. And if you remember, I believe the date, it was two weeks ago today, and that's when they were going to, you know, have it reevaluated. I mean, in hell, he played back on Friday. So it did. It kind of felt, it was twofold. You were getting him back, and you were getting rolled up in the excitement, and then at the same time you thought, ah, well, maybe these injuries, these massive injuries that are never-ending, that allows nobody around here of professional fandom to have any fun whatsoever, maybe that is finally ending. Maybe this is the Linda Blair exorcism that does it. And unfortunately, to this point, it has been prolonged. Now, we'll see. And yeah, I heard Rick Carlisle this morning. I don't know if you play the entirety of the game and then realize you got to go to injury management. I mean, clearly it looked like, and I'll give credit with Quinn Buckner on the Bally Sports Indiana broadcast. He actually brought that up on Friday night. And he did. You can see the video. I think Kev has the video on his uh, X or Twitter account or whatever. I mean, you can see him limping around a little bit. And and he is he is a glass case guy for this team, for this organization, for this city. He is. And I guess this is going to be the moral of the story around here. Because let's face it, nothing goes without him. Or I should say this, nothing goes as well as it could without him. You can have fleeting moments. You can have that moment in Sacramento. I'm still raving about that win. That was outstanding. And then, you know, obviously without him on Sunday. You know, it's funny, too. You look back at that Portland game. The guy had like 20-plus points and like 14 assists, the no turnovers. I mean, stat line-wise, he was awesome. You'll take it. But you got to be careful. He is a glass case guy in this city. And I, again, I'll own it. I was out in front. I was leading the parade like the stork in Animal House right here. I marched just right down the alley to the brick wall. Now we got to sit and we got to wait. Now we'll say this. This has not been an exorcism of any kind. However, if... They did see this, and this is the training staff that said, hey, hold on a minute. Let's pull the plug right now and make sure this is okay. We don't like the way that thing looked in Portland on Friday night. You know, Maybe that, at the very least, is a partial exorcism, right? Partial. And I'll take partial right now. This city needs partial. 
It needs anything. What it does not need is what has exclusively been the norm, and it's over and over and over again. It is time-consuming. It is airtime-consuming because all we end up ever talking about are injuries and what could have been and then what it morphed into. And hopefully that is not the case. So I'm hoping what Rick said was 100% accurate, and that's how it plays out. Now, don't get me wrong. This is an incredible bummer of a time. And here's why. You've got, like, hopefully you have much more of an opportunity. But right now, you get back from that six-gamer out west, and you have all that pent-up excitement that I was talking about. And it all took place on the road. You really couldn't even get a gist of it. I mean, you were probably on Friday night worn out for staying up on Thursday night watching them beat Sacramento. It is uh, far away, but now you're going to be able to celebrate that tonight, and you're not going to be able to fully celebrate that. You know, that new player, you know, the direction of the team, you know, being forceful in a move. Yeah, kind of gripping and ripping that move. You're not going to be able to fully celebrate it, and you're going to have four opportunities, or at least three, with three really good teams. Beginning tonight with the defending champions, Jokic in the building, Jamal Murray here, Michael Porter Jr., who absolutely shredded the Pacers uh, over a week ago in Denver, or a week, yeah, over a week ago in Denver. Just shredded him. I, I thought, to me, the first time that they met this year in that loss in Denver, it, it, listen, the former MVP had a great deal to do with it. Jamal Murray has a great deal to do with it. But I thought the difference in that game was Porter Jr. Because everything he put up, he stroked, it was pure. That's That was the difference. And now what we thought we were going to get is not what we're going to get. And for you going to the game, there's a lot of excitement around this game tonight, too, because you have the defending champions in town, all that. Yeah, that part is a bummer. Now, we'll see if it's made up with Halliburton getting back here, hopefully after three games. But therein lies that question that is seemingly always floating around in your head. All right, so how long is this really going to be? But I will admit, and I know everybody's wanting to blame the training staff and the Pacers for the way that they handled this. Um, I was right out in front. I was so excited. I did not even question the fact that this dude may have been coming back too soon. I mean, obviously, I said yesterday that you could tell, even through his stat-stuffing evening in Portland, I mean, you could tell. And again, Quinn brought it up, and we have seen the video. But he is a glass-case individual. I was going back and forth a little, not in a bad way, but I was asked. I think it was Dale that asked me a little bit earlier. Hey, um, you know this Pacer defense, blah. Uh, the, the Pacer defense is blah, but it's not as blah as it once was. It's like blah, not ah, <laughs> just a little blah. They're actually defensively better than their average, at least in the last two. And consider this, that's in Phoenix, that's in Portland, Halliburton played in one. But they're actually above in in those two what normally is their defensive output in a game against the competition. 
the thing that is clear and certainly most clear when he is not present, and I know there's an exception to that rule in Sacramento. Seemingly, there's always an exception to the rule. But consistency and that lack of continuity, that lies with Alliburton. And that's where this team has found it costly. To me, it really hasn't been. They gave up, what, 135, I think, in Utah last week? But their defense has been better. Their defense was getting better before Siakam got here. They gave up 40 to Durant on Sunday. And then what they end up putting up, what, 117, 118 to the Suns in that game? If you're a Pacer fan, you take that. But you take that knowing that this offense is going to get you around 124 or 125. And that's the issue. That's the major issue because this offense is not the same. And we've talked about this a ton. I don't know how much you can jack with the defense and have it that much better, but we know this to be true. If the offense fizzles out or sputters even a little bit, this team is in incredible trouble. And that, to me, is what we have seen more so than anything else. It's just we saw it with Halliburton on Friday night in Portland. We saw it without him. Now, Dale was right defensively in this. There is one aspect, and we've talked about this over and over with this team. If you are not going to be better than that defensively, and certainly they're better than than what they were, for example, in November, hallelujah, But if you're not going to be better than the way that they are defensively, you have to put together late-game stops here and there. And if you look back in these games, you look back in these games, they haven't had it. They didn't have it in Portland. I mean, Brogdon goes for 30. That should make us all sick enough right there. But the late-game stops, they're important anyway, but they're magnified when you just simply put are not a very good defensive team. And that's something else defensively that we don't always talk about that they've been without. Now, I also say on Sunday against Phoenix, it wasn't just that, but without Halliburton, you can just see. With Halliburton, that to me is a winnable, if not a game one. Now, even with the 40 from Durant, even with the 20-plus from both Booker and Beal, that to me is a win because to me they execute, with a healthy Halliburton, they execute much better down the stretch and they did not execute the way that it was necessary late in Phoenix. Uh, didn't get a late stop either because the isolation plays were going at Buddy Heald, and he needed him out there to knock down threes and to score. He was also out there on the defensive end, and uh, a lot of buckets against him. But again, that's all a part of this puzzle. It's like a car without an engine without Halliburton. It really is. There may be some games, again, that are exception to the rule, like Sacramento, for example. And there may be even the other side, because he actually played in Portland and they lost. See, that's what really is the bummer out of this, too. You play in Portland, and then you realize you shouldn't have played in Portland, but you still lose to Portland, a 12-win team. It like magnifies that decision is even worse. Is there plenty of time for them to make up? Absolutely. But do you want to see this team over this span lose eight of nine, something like that? Absolutely not. And make no mistake about it, the most important aspect of all this is the health of Halliburton. 
And in no way, shape, or form do you want to compromise that. So I, you know, if it's player kind of pushing his way in, then you gotta make sure you hold that down. You know, and it's tell me to shut up next time. I go, hey, remember what last time? Remember, remember this town and injuries. Uh, that is where we are. Denver in town later on tonight. We got you covered right here. I think we've got a little bit of Anything Goes brought to you by uh, our good friends at Live Nation and the uh, Bush 30-year anniversary show coming up August the 4th. In fact, we will give you a chance to win those, I believe, coming up in the uh, the 6 o'clock hour. But anyway, uh, that in the 6 o'clock hour of Anything Goes, this right now at 239-1070. That email address is jmv at 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'm going to wave at everybody right there. Thank you guys for joining us as usual. Yeah, I think it kind of is my fault. kind of is my fault. And, and really... For those of you coming off the cold season that always think that I'm I'm way too schlep rock, which is my word, and I know it was invented back in the late 60s, early 70s, but that's my word, right? Around here, it's my word. Uh, way too schlep rock or doom and gloom. I was trying really hard not to be that with that news later this week. You, think about that, too. You come off the Sacramento game, you're feeling really good, man. All these guys that are playing extended minutes that normally wouldn't all performed well. You beat a really good Western Conference team. And then you're going to get your your new player. You're going to unveil that in Portland. You're going to get the best player back. And as it seems, it was all way too damn good to be true. Uh, that's a bummer. But I led the charge. Chris Denary of Bally Sports Indiana, the play-by-play voice of the Pacers, joins us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Hey, make no mistake, it should be a raucous field house coming up later on tonight. That's something else, too. And I'm not here to cheerlead you or, you know, shake my fist and get fired up. But I'm assuming these guys, this is the toughest game of all six of those games out west. You will be told from former NBA players the toughest is that first game after a long road trip. And then when you factor in, you get Denver, the defending champions, they are going to need a loud joint tonight. So perform as advised down there if you're going to the game. Yeah, I know. I saw the 70. I mentioned this yesterday, too. Whenever the Pacers play Philly, you guys really do need to check out my my ex account or my former Twitter handle because it is great. You'll love it. Because normally Embiid goes for 40, something like that, and I have to take all kinds of crap. <laughs> Imagine if he goes for 70. And I'm no fan. Listen, he doesn't seem like a bad dude, but he's just got that combination of things right here. I'm just not a Philly person, so they can stick it. And I absolutely hate Kansas. They can really stick it. Sorry, Tony Donahue, but if you like Kansas as long as you have, you can stick it too. I don't like Kansas. I don't like Philly. And he always shreds 33. (laughs) So it's a really a three-prong bad combo for me right there. He goes for 70 last night. I really don't even want to bring it up. Like, it's San Antonio, and really, nobody there cares. When Binyama went for 33 last night, eh, nobody really cares. 
But that's what you got coming up on Thursday. And then to make matters worse, you get a back-to-back with a Phoenix team that's got the three players that I talked about in Phoenix on Sunday with Durant having 40 points, coming back with you on the second of a back-to-back. So this this all is going if, – if you're following a blueprint, this is the indie professional sports good fortune blueprint going right now. That's how it looks. So you got to shake everybody out of this thought. Shake them out of it. So if you're going down there tonight, have yourself a good time on a Tuesday. Let it rip and let it roar like it's a Friday or Saturday night. Those guys are going to need it. This is a tough stretch, and it is an incredibly tough stretch. It's going to be a tough stretch with Halliburton, but it's ridiculous without him. Uh, Check it out. If you're not going, you can listen to it right here. And I mentioned Kristen Neri is going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Brad Spielberger, a pro football focus per usual on a Tuesday. He's going to join us in the 4 o'clock hour. Greg Rakestraw is the sportscaster of the year. Greg's going to be here coming up at the bottom of the hour. you got the girls' sectional play starting, I believe, next week. With the boys' stretch run of the season around here, you got a lot of college basketball. And my Sycamores, we'll have him give them a little bit of love, right? Got IU this weekend against Illinois, Purdue tonight against Michigan, Butler, and a lot more. Greg Rakestraw is going to join us with all that coming up here at the bottom of the hour. All right. Shout out to Live Nation. Whenever you hear a reentry from Janet Jackson, and you know that once upon a time I was a part of Rhythm Nation, that's going to be your cue to call Janet Jackson. And Nelly will kick off that show coming up in June at Cambridge Fieldhouse. We've got Janet Jackson tickets to give you coming up a little bit later on in the show. Get a listen to win. That Janet Jackson reentry is your cue to call and be calling 9 at 239-1070. That is coming up inside the AAA Insurance Lounge via YouTube Live. That's your AAA Membership Lounge. Hopefully we see everybody in there hanging out. Thank you very much for doing so. The stream, the app, it is HD Radio. And believe me, I'm just scratching the surface right here. A lot more for you coming up. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, sir. There's been a little problem in the cockpit. The cockpit? What is it? It's the little room in the front of the plane where the pilots sit. That's not important right now. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, We got some anything goes tonight, so be ready for that. Pro Football Focus, that's Spielberger, Brad Spielberger, coming up at the 4 o'clock hour. Daenerys going to be here as well. You got Pacers, you got the Nuggets at Cambridge Fieldhouse. Well, homestand, it's underway officially tonight. No Tyrese Halliburton, as was announced earlier this morning on this station, on Swebo. Rick Carlisle told Swebo that it's going to be at least three games before a reevaluation. Uh, injury management load, something man, they're going to manage something. <laughs> and we all look back and wish they would have managed it prior to. They're going to manage it again. It's kind of like Chris Ballard getting the reboot. Now, yeah, you were the manager. Now you got to manage it again. Here we go. Yeah, double management happening. All right, Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. He always brings 
level-headed thinking to this show. Hence, the sportscaster of the year in the state of Indiana, Greg Rakestraw, joining us now. Hello, Greg. Hello, my friend. How are you? Level-headed commentary is finally here. Thank you for saving the show. I am the calm Zen center of the 3 o'clock hour. Oh, man. I'm just going from one side to the other. Seriously. I'm like Tony Montana and Scarface. I'm just diving into that big pile on the desk right now. So, yeah, Friday, I'm, oh, my gosh, this is so great. And now and I'm on the other end of the spectrum. Now I'm really down regarding Tyrese Halliburton. So you got to lift me up. So give me some Sycamore love, won't you? Lift me up. Uh, the Sycamores are fantastic. They got a vote in the AP poll yesterday, buddy. Hey, do you know who voted for them? You? No, I would have. I just don't get a vote. They don't trust me to vote like that. I'd vote no. for him every uh, year. Mike DeCourcy, Mike LaPresti, somebody else in the state of Indiana that has ties? I don't know. Do you know how many votes the AP has for college basketball in this state? Uh, in this state, no, but those are two of the guys that I would assume might have access to them that could be voting in the state of Indiana. I'm not sure if I think Zach Austin would qualify. I'm not sure if he's a voter. Um, I'm sure there, that maybe. Sam King would get that nod, but I don't know how many voters they have off the top of my head. No, sir. All right. Well, if it's DeCourcy, we need to have him on the show. we got to celebrate that vote somehow, some way. So, uh, he's in Noblesville. He's available. Well, I saw him before the Pittsburgh game rocking a bunch of Steeler gear down there at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium last month. I said, hey, <laughs> you look really he, good he, at all that he, gear. He is a Pittsburgh native. And he is not an NFL beat writer, so he's allowed to be a complete and total homer for his Pittsburgh Steelers. No doubt about that. Yes, no doubt. Um, All right, so I'll get to Purdue, Michigan later on tonight. We'll get to that. IU and their situation right now. They have Illinois on the road coming up on Saturday. But what would you make? IU, Murray, which is a very tough place to play. Murray State was good in the Mo Valley so far, not so good with an overall record. They survived that. And uh, you're going to get part two coming up here really soon with a very good and injured player back, Bradley Brave squad. Are you not at the Holman Center? Uh, you know, the thing that strikes me about Indiana State as of late and in the very near future coming forward is the amount of national television run they are getting, whether it's ESPN2 or ESPNU or ESPNU. Their, their game last week was part of the Valley package on, you know, uh, Valley Sports Indiana. So the fact that they are getting attention and love from their league is something that I very much like to see. And again, I, I think maybe they have wiggle room for, say, a loss, not much more than that, or they would have to run the table and win Arch Madness to be a tournament team. But if they can be a tournament team, or if they can somehow steal an at-large bid, I think they're largely in the same conversation. I think they're on that 11 or 12 seed line, and I absolutely think they can be a team that can shoot their way into the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. John, they lead Division One in three-point percentage as a team at just under 42%. They're a team to be dangerous in March. Just have to make sure they find a way to get there. Well, they, they got a really good combination, and you know they can go they can go low, but by and large, their offense is geared and fueled by the three point shot. And when yep. that's going down, and and they you know dial down the turnovers, they can be as dangerous as anybody else. I would agree with that. Uh, and again, that tends to be the way of so many teams these days. You know, it is. 
It's. I had a game where IUPUI played Oakland, and Oakland had a, a grad transfer from Hillsdale, which is Division Two, and I think he was averaging taking nine threes per game. This is not their team. This is an individual player. I did the math in terms of minutes played per game. He played about 31 and a half minutes a game. So that meant he was taking a three-point shot every three and a half minutes. One player. That is simply simply the nature of the beast these days in college basketball. And it is an outlier when you have a team that is, is A, not a great three-point shooting team, or a team that doesn't make uh, or even take a, a lot of three-point shots. It's 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 everybody now. It is truly a math equation. Indiana State tends to do it better than most. Yeah, yeah, and and, and again, I've always said three's better than two. So it, <laughs> make no mistake about that. Even somebody from Greene County would understand that. Greg Rakestraw is with us. Michigan, Purdue, Peacock coming up later on tonight, nine o'clock. Um, we, we saw the Boilers just kind of do what they did at Iowa and, and roll on the road. You get Michigan at home coming up later on tonight, and you don't overlook anybody. But um, raw meat, I'm assuming, is probably yep. what the Wolverines look like for the Boilers tonight at nine. You know, I, I think there'll be a team or two that will give Purdue some fits in Mackey Arena at some point in time this year. I don't think Michigan is that team. They obviously went out and took care of business. Um, you know, a little revenge on Indiana for Indiana sweeping them last year. Uh, and then with uh, uh, just, again, taking care of business at Iowa over the course of the weekend, uh, this is one of those that, uh, given the way Purdue has been playing overall, given the experience nature of that team, you just kind of get the impression that, uh, again, this is not a night where Purdue should seriously be threatened. So Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pilot. I will fast forward to uh, 3 o'clock on, on Saturday. Is this the final regular season? I mean, are, are all these matchups now with anybody that has a ranking next to their name, is it a must-win situation for the Hoosiers moving forward? You've got to find a way to beat actual NCAA tournament teams. And Indiana's played a lot of them. Haven't beat a lot of them. Maybe not any of them. Um, you've got you've got to find a way to start getting W's in this situation. So I am never on the must-win bad wagon as much as you are, John. But we're about to that point for Mike Woodson. Yeah, and it just I, it, did it concern you as much as it concerned everybody else when? Mike Woodson talked about how after 19 games they're still searching, still trying to come together. And I know, I know the uh, the transfer portal. I mean, you, you you're getting some out, you're bringing some in, but 19 games is what we'd be talking about here. You, it's a little too robust. To the, you are to the point. You're to the point of of a college basketball season. It's February 1st, which is obviously next Thursday. You have to know who you are. You are finding ways to win the last 10, 11 games of the season going into the postseason, what have you. Um, you're like, all right, we don't do this well. This is how we overcome this. It is not, well, we're still searching and trying to find out who we are. Man, it's, it's just not 82 games. I mean, it, it's, it, it, it's got to be more of a sense of urgency. And, and you touch on the transfer portal. That's part of what makes this all the more damning to me. Because you can talk about, hey, it's it's not 1997 anymore. Hey, it's been a while since Indiana has been this. But again, and I referenced the phrase mathematics or sheer mathematics of Indiana State in terms of making threes. Well, the same thing is true from an economic standpoint in terms of Indiana. 
Quick, John, name me how many programs draw more fans per game at Indiana University in college basketball. Go ahead. Um, three. You probably kind of on one hand, exactly, right? Yeah. And so there is a direct correlation now that we are in the unabashed capitalism era of college sports. If you're drawing 16,000, 17,000 a game, that also means you probably got more money in the coffers for name, image, likeness, for collectives, for things like this. Um, I realize Kalel Ware is a young man that I think is going to be a relatively high pick in the NBA draft or simply an NBA draft pick, period. But, you know, so much was trumpeted of, of his arrival on campus. I'm like, his numbers at Oregon weren't exactly that great. And his numbers at IU have been okay. I'm not trying to place all the blame on him because, trust me, there's a lot to go around. But, you know, if, if you don't think whatever reason you can't recruit to Bloomington, you know what you should be able to do? Go out and find the best guys in the transfer portal want to come play here, if not a reason, because you got the dollars to give them. And that's not been figured out yet for Indiana University basketball. So yeah. um, this program seems to be stuck in neutral on so many fronts, and there's no reason that it should be. He's Greg Rakester on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. Big East play Butler on the road at Georgetown tonight, and Ed Cooley's team, first year there for him. They've lost six of seven, so – Definitely winnable. And then they embark back home against Villanova. They go back-to-back at Creighton and at, right now, number one UConn. So this is a game, and the situation, really, all these games are vital for Butler where they stand right now. But you can't go screwing around and losing this thing in D.C. tonight. Correct. There are a couple of bingo-free spaces in the Big East. Georgetown is one. That's going to get fixed soon. DePaul is the other. I'm not sure that's ever going to change. Um, you, have to, you have to take advantage of this. This is where you're avoiding the banana peel before you can then focus on games where it's more about opportunity and less about pressure. All right, Greg, you and Bob did um, the pairing show, I believe, on Sunday, right? The girls' pairing Correct. show? The pairing show. We will have the boys' version of that coming up on a – Rather busy day in sports on February the 18th. So in case you're not keeping track of this, Purdue plays at one, IU plays at three, with pairing show at five, and there's this little thing called the NBA All-Star Game at uh, 8 o'clock that night. Rather busy Sunday in the state of Indiana is February the 18th. Man, it's going to be a good time. I, I And again, this goes back to Halliburton here. I, I know the rest of the season is of the importance, but it would be a shame if he would not be allowed or could not participate in that as well. So, Normally this is the part in time where we say, hey, here's a built-in 10-day break. I understand the desire to have him playing in the game because you get this it's like an eclipse. We get it once every 39 years. Um, and so – Given the fact he's a leading vote-getter, given the excitement about this team, the addition of Pascal Siakam, yes, to me, there is big picture is always more important. But I get it. I feel it. I understand the pull of wanting to have him out there in the starting lineup for the All-Stars on February the 18th as well. I absolutely agree. So Greg Greg Straw, the sportscaster of the year in the state of Indiana with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline and a very solid young black teenager's tap the bottle. <laughs> That was well done on Saturday night. That sounded well, good, too. Well, it was too. 90s night. Yeah. What, what's the, do we have a theme coming up for Saturday night? Oh, uh, it, is, it is 80s. I, I tried to. I didn't play nothing but 90s, but it was pretty damn close. But, yeah, we go back to what we normally do, a lot of 80s, a lot of 70s. That's where, that's where our bread is buttered, I think, on the JMV Takeover, Greg. All right, so I have 
I have a Larceny Bourbon Double Shot already in the queue from one artist or one group that I will call you with on Saturday night. Okay. So already have the, 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 the seconds I dedicate to planning these phone calls. That was done earlier today. I'll dial you up early in the show come Saturday night. You got it, buddy. I'll be waiting on you. I'll see you tomorrow, pal. It's uh, Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline right there. Quick break. We'll come back. It's Brad Spielberger, PFF, top of the hour. And I had seen this via X earlier. And I guess just because Mel Kuyper came out with his his latest draft, but he goes with uh, a wide receiver in round number one for the Colts, which excites me. But he also added that's because the Colts would let Michael Pittman Jr. walk. Why are so many national folks believing that Michael Pittman Jr. should walk? Is there anybody out there in agreement? Come back with that. We'll talk to Brad Spielberger, top of the hour. Chris Denary, 5 o'clock hour, 93.5, The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Tyus Halliburton, next three, going to be down for... More of his uh, injury management, as Rick Carlisle mentioned uh, right here earlier this morning with Sweebo, that it's not a re-injury. Um, I, it's tough not to be skeptical about it. I would agree. It's tough not to be skeptical about it. Um, it's very difficult not to wonder how hustled he was to get back, whether or not it was him. I'm assuming he wanted to get back in Portland on Friday. And, I mean, hell, like me, everybody wanted to see him back, play that first game with Pascal Siakam making his debut. All wanted to see that. But at what cost? Hopefully it is what we've heard at face value. So don't get me wrong here. I'm not trying to play the role of doom and gloom, but – As you well know, with professional sports around here, we have been down this path before. We know the way on this. In fact, I think injury-wise with professional teams, we can drive this road with our eyes closed. So we're not going to be completely clear and understanding until not just a game back, whatever that may be. Hopefully after three games, but... To put some together again. So if you're mad at somebody who remains skeptical or somebody who questions it or somebody who's going to be outspoken, they're probably just feeling bad today because that is a hell of a bummer for what is going to start a homestand tonight against the defending champions. Well, we shall see. We'll talk about that. Kristen Aaron, the 5 o'clock hour. Brad Spielberger, why does it seem that everybody nationally believes that Michael Pittman Jr. is going to walk. The Colts, in some form or fashion, do not pony up to retain him. Brad Spielberger, a PFF, with that coming up on the other side. Don't go anywhere. Janet Jackson tickets. Also, when you hear a Janet Jackson reentry. And we've got some Anything Goes tonight as well after 6. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
The Ride with JMV. We're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? It should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back, James, over there. My name is John. Thank you so much for joining us. Hour two of this show with the Nuggets and the Pacers tonight downtown. Gambridge Fieldhouse. No Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton, at least the next three. Oh, yeah, that's making noise. Come on, man. Turn it down. It's weird. That was coming from my phone right there, that little extra noise that you heard outside of, uh, what is that, Nelly Furtado playing right here? So, um... I've lost the last two days my phone. I've never lost, knocking on some wood here, my phone before, but I've, I left here yesterday, left my phone here, had to double back, had to double back so I could go watch, I hate to put it this way, maybe the, one of the worst basketball games I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Shout out to Mike Wells, who was not in attendance. Yeah. It was like. Like everything. And nothing good. I didn't even get something from the concession stand, and that probably would have sucked. It was all bad. Bad, bad. And shout out to Wells who didn't show up. Good for him. Janet Jackson tickets, by the way. June, Gamerage Fieldhouse. Nelly opens. Got those tickets coming up for you when you're at Janet Jackson reentry. We have anything goes in the 6 o'clock hour. Uh, we'll get more in-depth on Tyrese Halliburton. Again, the next three games... Um, they're going to, I guess, better manage his hamstring injury. But Rick Carlisle told uh, Swebo in the morning this morning that it was not a re-injury or a new injury or something, let's just put it this way, something foobarish that will make it a hell of a lot worse. So hopefully he's right about that. But if you're skeptical, I don't blame you. Because with the professional teams around here, we have been used to such news, have we not? We have. And I thought, honestly, I go back to what I first said. I thought of sorts Friday of last week when you're getting Siakam, he's going to play that first game in Portland. When you're getting back sooner, quicker, in this case, Tyrese Halliburton, that almost felt like an exorcism of sorts. With all the ridiculous injury situations we constantly have been put through around here, it was like, wait a minute. This didn't even go the two weeks that they talked about right here before reevaluation. My man's running out there today, running out there in Portland, the Moda Center. You got to keep in mind, maybe we should have, led by me, by the way, erred a little bit greater on the side of caution. Because now you substitute that Portland game, which turned out to be a loss to a 12-win team. And now you go back to back to back without Tyrese Halliburton beginning tonight with Denver at home. The 70 points of Joel Embiid in the first of a back-to-back. And on the back end of that, you get Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and the Suns after the Sixers. So, yeah. Listen, there are a lot of season remaining, right? But let's just face it. There is this is a huge, it's a huge cloud of suck going on here. It just is. Hopefully, everything is going to be okay. Just make sure that that doesn't happen again. Put this dude in the glass case for a minute. He is just as important as the quarterback position with the Colts right here. 
As I like to say, don't jack around with it. Yeah, even if you have numbskulls like me going, oh, yeah, we're excited, yeah. That means no more injuries. Mm. Mm-mm. Leading the charge. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline. Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, is with us. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing great. How you doing? Oh, we're just, oh, woe is us around here as always. That's all we're talking about. Injury this, something's tweaked, something's ripped, something's torn, something's gone awry, always around here. Is that slep rock enough for you? Yeah, that sounds about right. I do want to start here. Like, I've seen some mock drafts, and these are way, way too early. Don't get me wrong. But there seems to be a lot of national folks that believe in, in some fashion that the Colts are not going to pay Michael Pittman Jr. to return, either, you know, with, um, you know, you know, bringing him back in the franchise tag or, you know, extending him, giving him, you know, more money, you know, certainly more years. You get that feel that that's what's going to take place around here because obviously nationally it kind of seems like the direction that they're going. Yeah, I definitely get that vibe as well. I just don't think you can let Michael Pittman go after the season he just had and how he grew in this offense. And, again, it worked with a different quarterback, a different system. And, again, just, you know, the floor seems so astronomically high for him at this point. Um, And I still do think that you bring back an Anthony Richardson into the fold. And whatever you want to say about Michael Pittman, if maybe people want to talk about a limited ceiling or he's not quite the, you know, vertical threat of an X receiver or yada, yada, yada. A six foot four, two hundred twenty five pound physical possession guy who rarely, if ever, drops the football might be the best thing you could possibly ask for uh, if you're trying to bring Anthony Richardson along in the NFL. So uh, I just don't think you can let him go. Yeah, I, I don't either. And there are some around here that that feel that he is not dynamic enough. But I, I just he's somebody you can count on. He's somebody that is tough, and as you mentioned. You have to as many weapons as possible, and especially one that, again, you're going to reboot the rookie status of Anthony Richardson that is somebody he's not going to have to reacclimate to. I think all of this weighs as heavy importance with this ultimate decision. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. So, so it's going to be interesting. But they also, if you bring in other you know, factors and variables, like they, they have flexibility and and, and the – um, you know, if they want to do it, they certainly can. You want to build around this cheap contract. You can pay players across the roster, you know, reward in-house guys. I, I just Everything kind of points in that direction. So Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What is the market value? Let's just say, what's the value across the board of the NFL for Michael Pittman Jr.? Yeah, so, you know, I think it's interesting if he does hit unrestricted free agency, you're, of course, going to get, you know, bidders driving up the price, especially if, you know, let's say a T. Higgins does not hit the market in Cincinnati and Pittman becomes the clear-cut number one option. I think it would, it would line up really, really well for him because there are some other solid players. But, you know, a guy like a Calvin Ridley in the division, 29 years old, you know, I mean, guys like, you know, Darnell Mooney in Chicago, a really good young player, but had a down year, Gabriel Davis in Buffalo, kind of a one-dimensional deep threat, not a very uh, you know nuanced player, not a great route runner, things of that nature. So I think at that point you're talking $23, $24 million a year if he hits the open market. Um, I think you can maybe get a little bit below that, and you talk more about the that kind of second tier, 21, 22, just below some of the premier number one options across the league. But you never know. I mean, the price always goes up. We know how these markets rise. 
The last thing I would say, though, um, which has been a big lesson for me in doing the free agency projections every year, is the draft class at the position matters a ton as well. And this is viewed as a not just the top, but top to bottom, depth, everything, a phenomenal, phenomenal wide receiver draft class. So maybe that brings down a little bit as well. Some of those suitors say, you know what, we'd love to have Michael Pittman, but we'll pivot, we'll use a top two, you know, first two-round pick on a receiver instead. But anyway, it's certainly above $20 million, comfortably so, um, whether it's in Indianapolis or elsewhere. Hey, Brad, it's also been mentioned, I think Brock Bowers, the uh, the tight end, or you know, just kind of a, an offensive specialist, if you will, but the tight end from Georgia has been mentioned as a possibility, too. What does the tight end draft look like? Outside of, obviously, he's, uh, if not the best, among those at the highest level. What else is involved with this draft coming up? So that's kind of the opposite. He, he is going to be a first-round pick, probably a top-20 draft pick, and then I'm not sure you see one until the third round. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but there are some interesting different types of players. Um, Jatavian Sanders at Miami will be a very good kind of like low average depth of target. You know, throw it to him in the flat, let him make some players miss in space, get some yards after the catch type of guy, line up in the backfield, line up in line, do different things, but not going to be like an inline blocker, um, not going to be a guy you're targeting very far down the field, at least from my perspective. Maybe he grows into that. Um, it is a position that changes, you know, pretty dramatically from the college level to the NFL level. And then there's other solid players. Like if you, if you are looking for an inline blocking type guy, A.J. Barner at Michigan had a good year, came along um, and really carved out a nice role. Uh, I'm, I'm now, of course, I'm blanking on, on, on the fellow's name, but there's a guy, oh, Kate Stover. Kate Stover at Ohio State, I think will be one of your classic third, maybe fourth round players. He's probably the best blocker that I've watched so far in the class. Um, can line up in line, can really do well in the blocking game, and then can catch like sure-handed, not, not a speedster, not a guy that's going to make players miss in space, but might bowl over uh, a defensive back here and there. But the long answer short, like Bowers is the guy that goes early, and then I think the rest are, you know, you shouldn't even expect them to contribute much as a rookie in the NFL. It's uh, Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus on the Andy Morrill Automotive Group hotline every uh, Tuesday right here. So when they punted Mike Vrabel, um, you thought that heavy offense may be the direction the Titans go, and they do with offensive coordinator formerly in Cincinnati, Brian Callahan. What would you make of that hire? Yeah, it's interesting. It's very funny, I thought, that for, for a while in Cincinnati, I felt as though the offense put so much on Joe Burrow. And it was, they're in 11 personnel, meaning three receiver sets. They're in shotgun. They have the highest shotgun rate in the NFL, almost never went under center. Um, and, and even just the route concepts, a lot of it was just, you know, go routes on the sideline for two, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And look, obviously it's working. You're making Super Bowls. You're making AFC Championship games. But I just felt like, how many easy throws are they manufacturing for Joe Burrow and how much of it is Joe Burrow just being awesome, um, making things work in structure and outside of structure. What I found fascinating was they, they then finally you saw some transitioning and some pivoting as it got a little bit tougher. And then more so when Jake Browning comes in and you're seeing a ton of, you know, different concepts, high, low concepts to get these check downs or these, these screen outs to Jamar chase or chase Brown, the rookie running back, like, I just thought you saw so much more creativity. Maybe once they felt they had to be creative, you know, to help a, a lesser talented guy, that, I, that that encouraged me and showed me, okay, they, they can adapt and change what they're doing uh, and change their approach. So I think it's a good hire. The last piece for me, I know he's under contract with the Cleveland Browns. Um, this shouldn't be why you think of a head coach as a good hire, but 
his dad, Bill Callahan, is widely regarded as one of, if not the best offensive line coaches um, in the entire NFL. You'd have to think that maybe not right away, but at some point he might go join his son uh, and be the offensive line coach. And Tennessee has the worst offensive line in the NFL. So, you know, that element entices me too. So, uh, Brad Spielberger with us. What would you make of the elevation hire of Dan Morgan in Carolina? I thought it was interesting. You know, so I had heard really, really good things, more so actually from his coworkers in Buffalo uh, before he went over to Carolina. Just spoke very, very highly of him. Everyone said he was going to be a future GM at some point in the league. Not surprised he became an assistant GM. And, you know, not purely a football guy. I think people see, hey, the former linebacker that wore a neck roll at Miami, uh, you know, top, top 10 pick and was a good NFL player. They might think he's just football, football, football. What I heard is, no, he's open-minded. He wants to learn about, you know, analytics. He wants to learn more about the salary cap and roster construction. And, and so he's, I think, really cerebral and, and approaches it in a way where he does have his expertise and his skill set, which is, you know, evaluating and scouting talent, but also wants to build out a, a coherent front office, a, a, you know, a comprehensive approach. Um, I know it's going to be looked on poorly. People are going to say, oh, they just promoted a guy who, who was a part of drafting Bryce Young and yada, yada, yada. He was in Buffalo for great times. He was in Seattle for great times. This is a guy that came from two organizations that were contenders pretty much every year he was there. Don't just paint him as, you know, oh, he's been in Carolina for the hard times. Yes, he has, uh, but he also has done a lot of good in his NFL career. It's Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So we thought maybe, and, and now obviously Brian Johnson done as offensive coordinator for Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia. Um, we thought initially maybe there was some interest in an in offensive mind with the Colts and Jim Bob Cooter. Has that faded, or was there ever any interest there in general? I, I saw a report there that, that it's not going to happen, like that particular connection. You know, obviously these guys are all you know interconnected and, sure. and have you know crossed paths. But I, I saw a report earlier today that that's not going to be the replacement there. I feel bad for Brian Johnson. I think he still probably is a rising star in this league and should get another shot. I, I feel like it's a scapegoating to a degree just because, you know, it's still Nick Sirianni's offense. And, and I know he was probably calling plays, but uh, it was Nick Sirianni's offense. And Johnson's track record, uh, I mean, the guy was an offensive coordinator at Utah when he was 25 years old. Um, a couple of years after graduating college, he was already calling plays for, a, you know, a big uh, power five offense. So I think he'll work his way back through. His track record of developing quarterbacks is, is remarkable. Um, you know, J- Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, Kyle Allen back in college, like, Every quarterback he worked with went on to do good things. So he'll, he'll be back. I, I don't love the move there. I think it is, like I said, a bit of a scapegoating. But, yeah, a big, big year for Nick Sirianni. I know he has the Colts connection. Uh, a lot of pressure on him in 2024. It, it kind of seems like, too, and, and maybe I'm proven wrong, it kind of seems like most of the Colts staff will will stay together in this offseason. You feel the same way? Yeah, that's the sense I'm getting. Um, and, and also just, you know, when I do poke around and kind of read some of the good journalists that cover the team, that, that seems to be the case, uh, that they're going to keep the unit together, which, which I think is certainly a good thing. I mean, at a high level, I thought it was cool, you know, of Steichen to be open-minded to keeping, you know, Gus Bradley in the fold, and then obviously his whole offensive staff and position coaches and all those people coming aboard. I, I mean, they did a great job. And I think that it'd be understandable if other teams start maybe poking around and they start to get poached at some point especially Jim Bob Cooter, you know, called plays for Detroit like a decade ago at this point, um, obviously has a lot of experience, but I think this offseason they're probably going to stick around. 
So Brad Spielberger with us. So should the Niners be this weekend more concerned about the incoming, the inbound Lions or their own quarterback? Fair question. <laughs> um, yeah, I will say for Brock Purdy, uh, you know, it's a bit of an excuse, sure. But the weather, I think, really, really bothered him. And the, the forecast in San Fran is, is much better. I think it's low 60s, uh, no rain, and, and lower winds. So, I mean, yeah, Purdy was not good. He, he was late on some throws. There was that near interception over the middle um, on the ball to Brandon Ayuk that probably should have been picked off. He, he was bad. There's no question about it. But he, he made a lot of mistakes that just he hasn't made on film the entire year. So so maybe he was just a little bit rattled, um, you know, back in the playoffs, bad conditions, all of those things. And the Lions secondary, I mean, has just been getting absolutely gashed. I mean, Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, threw, threw all over them in that game. Mike Evans was uncoverable. And, and then you also see, you know, the, just the last month of the season, you know, teams were throwing on them with relative ease. So, I'd be more worried about the Lions uh, than, than Purdy having another clunker um, because their offense, I think they're going to run the football effectively on San Fran. It's been a quiet issue for them, um, particularly between the tackles. They have been exploitable against the run, and Detroit is one of the best offenses in the entire NFL uh, at running between the tackles with both Dave Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. That'd be my concern if I'm San Fran. Is Detroit having these long, slow, sustained drives which is what San Fran loves to do, um, and maybe Detroit kind of gives them a taste of their own medicine. So, Brad, the Bills get stiff-armed once again by the Chiefs. Um, moving forward to finally get over this particular hurdle, what needs to be done offseason-wise in Buffalo? It's tough. They were, I won't use the term all-in, but they were about as close to that as you could possibly be. I mean, this is an older roster, uh, you know, a lot of guys, you know, Von Miller obviously injury-related, but a lot of guys that were just kind of getting towards the end of the road for their careers that were making a lot of money, and now you got to figure some things out. You have two starting safeties that are in their 30s. Are those guys going to be back? Tredavious White at corner gets hurt again, uh, you know, and, and he hasn't been the same player since he tore his ACL a couple of years ago. Can you rely on him to come back and be a good player? They're in a tough spot. It's not a very good cap situation. They can obviously, you know, restructure some contracts and move some things around, but they need to hit on a bunch of draft picks, get younger across the board. Um, it's it's going to be tough. This was the window. Again, the window is Josh Allen's career, but this was a particular window um, where they kind of had a lot of good players, a lot of good pieces in place, and they kind of got to hit the reset button and, and start over a little bit. Uh, how ridiculous has Lamar Jackson been? And it just seems like uh, across the board on this roster, it seems like everything for Baltimore is coming together at a great time. It certainly is. But, but Lamar deserves a ton of credit. I mean, you still don't have Mark Andrews in this offense, who is by far his number one target. Um, Otto Beckham Jr.'s snap count came way down in that playoff game. So it really was kind of the rookie Zay Flowers show, a little bit of Rashad Bateman working his way back into the fold. Um, but Lamar was just so, so good running the football. Um, and I hate that matchup for the Kansas City Chiefs. They are very poor against Russian quarterbacks. They're very poor, particularly um, unlike the, uh, the Niners. They're bad defending the run to the edge. So off tackle or outside the tackles, the Chiefs actually have the worst run defense in the league. Um, the Ravens have the most rushing attempts in the NFL um, outside the tackles. So, I think Lamar is going to have another, you know, maybe a hundred plus yard outing on the ground, but he really deserves so much credit for the strides he's made throwing the football outside the numbers, down the field, over the middle at the intermediate level. He is a deserving MVP and all the narratives and all the volume stats and the passing and all that. He's a good, very, very good pocket passing NFL quarterback. He just, he wins in different ways. So, you know, you see the, the Texans box score only, only at 150 passing yards. 
Yeah, he was remarkably efficient, and they were up three scores late and didn't need to throw the football. He's been stellar. Conference finals, what are you thinking in both the NFC and AFC? Yeah, so so I really do think the Ravens are the better team here, and I think they're going to pull this one off. I mean, far be it from me to ever doubt Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I did pick them to upset the Buffalo Bills last week, um, but in part because we just talked about the Bills' defense was just so decimated with injury, and they even got more hurt during that game. And then not to take away a playoff win, but Miami's defense was probably the most injured defense in the entire NFL um, before that Kansas City game. You're, of course, playing in a frozen tundra. You know, Tua Tagovailoa basically could not throw the football in those conditions. So I'm not going to say lucky or anything like that, but I think Kansas City's wins just lined up really nicely. They played some teams that were kind of reeling a little bit. Um, and now they go to Baltimore, who has probably the best defense in the NFL, that are getting healthy at the right time, might have Mark Andrews back, might get number one corner Marlon Humphrey back, who did not play against Houston. They're just, they're just a better top-to-bottom football team, but more so for me. We saw the Kansas City Chiefs offense the whole year struggled, and I, I think they have found some solutions, but I don't think it's been a magical fix to their offense. I think they just played two very injured defenses. So, Give me the Ravens out of the uh, the AFC. The NFC matchup, I, I think, is going to be fascinating. I, I think this is probably the worst matchup the Niners could have gotten um, out of the rest of the NFC pool is the Detroit Lions. I mentioned not a good coverage uh, you know, team at all. They're not. They, they've been getting thrown on all year long. But one of the best run defenses in the entire NFL. And if they can stop Christian McCaffrey and maybe Debo Samuel doesn't play in this game and add that element too – if they can stop them on early downs and put Brock Purdy in second and long, third and long, and force him to drop back and pass, maybe they can take advantage, get a turnover or two. Um, and like I said, I do like their matchup on offense. I think they're going to run the ball a bunch on San Fran. I, one final thing with you, Brad, too, of the remaining head coaching vacancies, um, what's the inbound timeline, do you think, in, in filling these gigs that are still left over? I think the next big domino that will have a a massive ripple effect is I think uh, Jim Harbaugh to to Chargers is all but done. Uh, I think we are going to get that in the next 24 hours, you know, maybe even today. Um, And and I think that just kind of settles things for the coaching landscape. It will take him out of the Atlanta race. Maybe then it's Belichick or they do go with one of these young offensive coaches. The rest of them, I I think, are waiting on playoff teams. You you know, I think – in Washington, I still think Ben Johnson, the the Lions OC, is probably going to be the guy – And then Carolina is fascinating. I'm starting to think it might be Dave Canales, who is the Buccaneers OC, who was in Seattle with Dan Morgan for about four or five years. There's a connection there. He was a great first-time play caller this year in Tampa. He helped revive Geno's career. Now he helped revive Baker Mayfield's career. Why wouldn't you bring him in to help revive Bryce Young's career? Um, I think that might be the hire there. So Brad Spielberger of PFF, what are you writing about? Tell the folks. Yep, so we're looking at, you know, we, we're talking all things free agency. We're looking at the guy that each team cannot afford to lose going into free agency. No surprise for the Colts, it's Michael Pittman. Um, but that, that'll be me. The, the next couple of months is all things free agency. And then we'll pivot hard to the draft, and you and I have some great conversations oh, about yeah. you know, draft prospects to look at and, and guys that the Colts should target in the first couple of rounds. All right. You uh, survived my Sleprockian attitude at the beginning, and then you ended with a pivot. That's well done out of you, Brad. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Brad Spielberger, a pro football focus right there with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Always good. The uh, I don't know if you still pay attention to this. I guess you should. The McDonald's All-Americans announced today, right? And uh, Floyd Bedunga of uh, Kokomo, who was on that list in the West, 
The guy you that Liam McNeely is from Montverde. What is that? An academy or something in Florida? They got Cooper Flagg, who's the Duke recruit. And then Derek Queen, who I believe is still in the decision-making process. Man, I should have gone to high school at Overtime Elite. (laughs) I had the opportunity to go to Overtime Elite or Eastern Green, and I go, you know what? I just got to go to Eastern Green right here. Overtime Elite High School. Yeah, you know, you could do that. Actually, I, I did. I did at one point get asked. It's because my mom was the teacher down there. I did get asked to go to Bedford North Lawrence one time. And then they realized, yeah, you know what? We don't want this jack around down here. Like, stay in Greene County, would you? I said, yeah, thanks, Lawrence County, because, yeah, it's so great there, too. Yeah, you need me, Larry County. Take it easy. Overtime elite. I'm assuming that's a basketball factory of sorts right there. I'm trying to think of, of these places. How many of these are normal high schools? I know Kokomo is. Prolific prep. See, remember, if you go back to the days when I was at the other station, I always wanted to start my own school and call it the Cool Academy. And that would have been cool you know, like cigarettes with a K and academy instead of the C with a cool academy. And, you know, we'd just have classes on sports and pop culture, and we would uh, have tater tots for lunch every day and square pizza and tater tots. I always thought the cool academy would be good. Prolific prep. This Link, Missouri looks like a real high school. I think Harvard-Westlake, is that's a real high school. IMG, yeah, okay. Northwood, North Carolina, Drake Powell. That's your McDonald's All-American list with, well, who's your flavor right there? And uh, congratulations to Flory on that honor, because that is still incredibly cool, even though you're going to Kansas. What? Ugh. Kansas? So this is really good for him. I just I have just a, a deep dislike of Kansas. Like college basketball it runs as deep as my disenchantment with the state of Michigan. That's how deep this runs. If you remember Tony Donahue used to be an absolute lover. Still is, I think, of Kansas. Ugh. And it's really not Bill Self. It's just been everybody. Like, Roy Williams always seemed like a nice enough dude when he was there, but I didn't like him when he was there. I didn't like him when Larry Brown was there. You know what? I may I may take a little bit off of my like of Kevin Pritchard because he won a national title there. And he did win a national title. I think that may be why he hasn't been on the show in a while because I hate Kansas. You ever notice this, James? I I continuously screw myself in just such a variety of ways. <laughs> I don't know if does anybody on the station screw themselves more than me. I wouldn't know. Yeah. A quick break, and we shall return. Top of the hour, Kristen Airy is going to join us. So no Tyrese Halliburton for the next three games. And Rick Carlisle made that be known this morning with the morning wake up call with Swebo. 
So the next three games, which is a bummer because these next three, great competition, all in-house downtown at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. That is a massive bummer. Now, I'm going to tell you this. All will be okay. All will be okay if he is okay sooner rather than later. But if at all, it's not so much just not feeling that he's getting over the injury right now. If it is a reaggravation, which a lot of us are believing, right? If it's something more than what was said this morning, then I may have to get pissy. And then for the future, listen, he, he just like how you're going to view the Colts quarterback in the future. You can't always put them in a glass case, but you got to be pretty damn close here. Because let me tell you this, Halliburton is as vital to this team and its success across the board as an NFL quarterback is. Quick break and we shall return. You, me, on the other side of 239-1070. Janet Jackson tickets for her show at Gamebridge Fieldhouse coming up in June as well. And Chris Denary coming up after five. Don't go anywhere. 93-5107. Five the fan. The Ride with JMV. There's a kid in my class that got a boner at P.E. in high school. He was wearing sweatpants. It's really embarrassing. So this song goes out to him. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, Denary, top of the hour. So be ready for that. Oh, the bummer of news for Halliburton today. It is. And I was all fired up. Next three games for sure, right? And uh, that's going to be the time you're going to take. To make sure you manage the hamstring injury evidently better than they were managing it before they let him play on Friday in Portland. <laughs> now, I, I listen, I, I'm not judging because I was the leader of the group right here, excited about it. But it doesn't make it suck any less. It doesn't. Bum me out. I really wanted to see that. Tonight against Denver, get yourself a little payback. I wonder who's going to go off tonight. I know what you're saying. Jokic. The last time it was Michael Porter Jr. Uh, listen, all three, including Jamal Murray, went off. But I thought it was Michael Porter Jr. in that first meeting. Yeah, I thought he was the difference maker in that. You know, we were kind of talking a little bit earlier. At least I was, right? Uh, Dale had brought up on my ex account how the defense still stunk. Well, it, the defense still stinks, but it stinks a little bit less. Does that make sense to you? I mean, there's still an aroma, there's still a stench, but it's a little bit less than it was. I think more of the bummer here recently is when these guys sputter offensively. When you think about it, both in Portland on Friday night and then again on Sunday in Phoenix. I think there were like 18, 118 given up, 117 given up. And, you know, that that beats their normal average. But what didn't is they did not reach normally what is their destination for points per game. And that's what we talked about, too. You improve this defense a little bit, yet you have now – kind of position yourself to where if you don't put up 120, 125, actually I would say over 120 
if you don't put up 123, 125 a game, then winning's going to be in jeopardy. And to me, that's what we have seen. And again, there's an anomaly there. That anomaly certainly is that of uh, you know, the Sacramento game last Thursday night. But yeah, the offense can't sputter, and that's the problem too. Because when you have no Halliburton, this thing you just you cannot recreate that. That just makes everybody better. Next three games at least, and then I guess we shall see after that. I I know it it does. It feels like we certainly have lived this before. Uh, hopefully, if you have that feeling. It is just reactionary because of what has been the past. Cardinal Jack is at 239-1070 on this show. Jack, welcome in. How are you, buddy? Thanks, Captain Johnny. Last time we talked, you flipped us a couple of Rams tickets up there at um, Taylor's Pub. Well, yes, I remember that a great deal. That we were all we were having thank you. We were having uh, drinks together and all that stuff on that particular it was afternoon. Awesome. It was awesome. So listen, I got a couple of yeah. things here on this whole Halliburton thing. Is that when I watch that game, I'm thinking to myself, who's the adult in this room here? You know, the amount of minutes that he played and you know, I get it that his buddy Siakam is out there and you know, and, and I'm thinking both of those guys, they took a lot of minutes. And he's coming off early off that hamstring. I mean, to me, it's no surprise that he's back on the IR that I thought, man, that's crazy. They don't do that in football. You know, they bring you back a little bit easy. Am I, I right? I well, no, you're you're not you're not wrong for feeling that way. Because I, I knew that's how people would feel because I, I I did feel the same way. I just got I like others I guess got swept up in the euphoria of this dude returning and then getting your first glance at Siakam on Friday and now I wish you could go back and be better served to I don't even know if it's managing the minutes or just sit him you know as time would suggest you would with that two that two week span that you called at the beginning which by the way I think would have been the reevaluate the reevaluation process today I I listen yes you're right and hopefully it is not prolonged hopefully it is not made worse Rick Carlisle said or, this morning Jack sure, that I sure hope not you yeah know, I mean we've got but, some, but to feel I that really way you're you're accurate to feel that way that's the only way that you can feel because honestly everybody around here is so damn used to it well and I really thought prior to that injury that they had a chance maybe to sneak up and and you know if there was an injury to uh, Milwaukee or something that they could have maybe put themselves in the in, ahead of the class in the central division but that's I don't I think that's a pipe dream now I, I I we've missed so many games and these big games coming up and I don't know it's just been depressing and I thought that was a bad decision and that's all I wonder well I mean and, and certainly thank you very much Jack there's no doubt in hindsight that's how you look at it by the way Tyrese Halliburton played 35 minutes on Friday night in Portland 35 minutes so. You not notice earlier, I guess. I, I will say this. Quinn pointed it out during the actual broadcast. And that was the drive to the hoop. He got fouled. He kind of went under the basket and, and walked well past the the inline and then came back and looked gimpy. At 35 minutes, he, he played the second 
largest amount of minutes in that game. Buddy Heald played 36. Yeah, he played 35. And here's the kicker, too. Be nice to have won that game, and they didn't win that game. They lost to a 12-win team at the time, an 11-win team. I know they got swept. Like people were making a light. So Adrian Griffin gets fired today by the Bucks, and the Pacers beat him four times this season. Beat that team four times. So the Trailblazers have 12 wins, and two of those are against the Pacers. That's about enough to make you sick. And then you add this on top of it. And part of the reason, too, in that game in Portland on Friday, if you remember, the bench that was added with minutes and guys are playing minutes they wouldn't normally play in Sacramento. And again, I was really excited about it, but that was the best game we had seen all year. But then in the second of a back-to-back on Friday in Portland, those same guys that we had talked about, Toppin, Smith, McConnell, Matherin, it was a full-on struggle with each. Toppin 0 of 3, Matherin 0 of 8, McConnell 1 of 4, Smith 2 of 5. It was a struggle for those four. And then Halliburton gets the 35 minutes. I like I you can sit here and we certainly can second guess because that's what we can do, but I'm not going to take myself out of the equation because I was leading the charge of excitement on Friday. And to hear that news this morning is a massive bummer. Uh, Adam's next to 239-1070. I haven't been here long enough to understand what the hell the phone number is right now. Go ahead, Adam. How are you? How are you doing, John? Fantastic. Uh, long-time listener, first-time calling. Love uh, it. Season, I, it's got a question about the Colts. Season ticket member. Well, two questions. I'll hang up and listen. Why wouldn't we keep Pittman? The next question is, do you feel like the Colts are kind of keeping their mouth shut about Ursay because there's more to the story versus actually telling everybody what's really going on? Thanks for taking my call, Yeah, you got it. I think that's always a part of it. Or at least as I've been around here, that's always been a part of it. Yeah, do I I believe things – or worse, I, listen, you haven't heard from the dude in forever. So, yes. I mean, this is something for such a long time to where you, you, you see a press release and you just know, oh, well, okay. This, this absence is out of the ordinary. And believe me, I've, I've said this regarding injuries. That's why you kind of look at this with Halliburton Around here, you you just kind of fear, in terms of news, the worst. You've been conditioned. And I've tried like hell. I've been trying to get out of that. You go back to the end of the Colts season, everybody said, you're so over the top about this. Oh, everything is going to be great down the road. I mean, they're positioned for greatness, and you're harping on one game in a season where they relied upon the backup quarterback I, I'm just not in the business of celebrating massive missed opportunities like that because there have not been enough here recently to speak of. The success has been fleeting recently to speak of. And you're just conditioned to feel that way, much like you're conditioned to feel this way for injuries. 
But the unusual absence of the owner that, you know, is always so outspoken. He's a part of the fabric around here, which I believe most people thoroughly enjoy social media-wise. I mean, really, you have no other option, I don't think, to be concerned. Because that's just how you feel about Jim Irsay in general. What was the other question regarding Michael Pittman Jr.? I forgot what he asked. You remember something about Michael Pittman Jr.? I don't think there's any way they're going to let him walk. You can't sit around and talk about, well, this is your quarterback, and your quarterback needs weapons, and then watch your major weapon here. I know what people say about him not being a number one or not being dynamic enough. Can I just put it this way? Just resign his ass. All right, do that. Just do that. One of my familiar sayings now is don't jack around. Don't jack around with this. I don't expect them to. It just seems like nationally it is weird. Nationally they believe that they will. I don't know. Maybe that is the the uh, Chris Ballard fingerprints on this. I don't know. But believe me, we've talked about this. The script by now with how you're going to win at a high level and consistently hear from what Chris Ballard felt it was going to be for the past you know six-plus years now, seven years, certainly with the quarterback that you have and the head coach that you have and the offensive philosophy that you have, that has to be flipped. Quick break. We'll come back with you. Kristen Airy, top of the hour. Janet Jackson tickets also coming up. Listen to win. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Kristen Airy, top of the hour. Well, anything goes after six tonight. Like a doctor. Uh, BT writes this way, JMV. There's no way Embiid scored 70. The way some around here act, he only scores against Miles. <laughs> well, uh, I would invite you to my timeline, any social media platform coming up on Thursday. I bet you I get more than what Miles gets. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. Um, hey, JMV, I can't imagine Michael Pittman Jr. would want to leave. The guy's got his kids and wife here. He's got a whole ass farm and everything. Check out his YouTube and TikTok. If the Colts let him walk, that would be a travesty. And again, hey, Nick, I'm not suggesting that, but you get the the national piece of it, and it kind of sounds like that they're prepping everybody around here for it. But that's them, not us. And again, it's also tagged for them to get the most hits possible in their mock draft. So, I mean, it does make sense. But you are getting a lot right here. There's no question about it. The Bucks fired their head coach, Adrian Griffin, today. Second in the Eastern Conference. (laughs) You got to go. It appears, and this could be good news for all of us, probably not. But Doc Rivers, it appears they're eyeballing Doc Rivers, which would mean at some point we're going to have to have some kind of reunion, aren't we, between Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy? I love that. I don't know why. Why do you have to blank with things that are good? Loved it. 
But evidently it is Doc Rivers that they're looking at. Oh, my man Donk was on hold there, wasn't he? Oh, we'll wait for Donk. We'll see if Donk can wait. I haven't heard from Donk in a while. We got to hit a break here. Right now, I can't take Donk. James says I can't take you, Donk, so hold on. We'll come back with Donk. We do have Anything Goes, which I also think fits Donk in the 6 o'clock hour, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to win something with this Anything Goes coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. So I'll tell you about that coming up after 5. And Kristen Airy, the homestand that begins with the defending champions and no Tyrese Halliburton for the Pacers tonight. The voice of the Pacers on Valley Sports Indiana. Kristen Airy joins us next. The Ride with JMV. Here's Johnny! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Something special for you in the 6 o'clock hour, if anything goes. I'll tell you in a sec. You know, Blake's birthday, my son, is coming up the 26th, and he wanted to go see... uh, a flock of seagulls. <laughs> so we're going over and taking Laney. I love my kids. You can tell, like, my kids, you can't. Neither one of them got my jumper, got my uh, my feathery touch. Uh, but they, they certainly both look a heck of a lot better than I do and are in better shape than I am and are much smarter than I am. Uh, but you can tell that they are mine because they both want to go see a flock of seagulls. I love that. Uh, the Egyptian room coming up, I believe, on Friday for that. And, of course, that will be in the catalog with Mike Score and a flock of seagulls. It'll be fun. The Egyptian room over at the Mirage. Hey, by the way, two road shows Thursday and Friday. You guys, make sure you mark this down. Uh, it's going to be me and NBA Jam again, along with Michelob Ultra at the dugout. That's coming up on Thursday. So the dugout on Thursday will be us and Nick over there. We're playing NBA Jam, and if you get the high score on NBA Jam, they actually wheel the arcade game in there. If you get the high score on NBA Jam, you can do this on your way to the Pacer game too, Pacers and Philly here. But if you get the high score on NBA Jam, you will win just an incredible, I mean, select Looking pair of Nike Air old school courtside Michelob Ultra shoes. You'll love them. No blue and gold action. High score gets that, and then you're entered into playing it to um, to win the video game itself. At the end of our run here, and a lot of other concert opportunities, but it's going to be fun. That's Thursday at the dugout. Off of Fletcher here, near southeast side of downtown. And then on Friday, a tavern tour stop with our good friend uh, Brent Holverson. We're going back to Mike Manley's place. Tenth and Shadeland, Manley's Irish Mutt with us coming up on Friday. So two opportunities to hang and uh, get some stuff. You know what happens, too, on the Tavern Tour stop, so you're going to get a lot of stuff there, too. So join us. we got the brand-new – this is the first one of 2024 – the brand-new Brent Halverson JMV Tavern Tour stop T-shirt 
will be unleashed upon you on Friday at Manley's Irish Mutt, 10th and Shadeland on the east side. We'll see you there. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline right now. Back at home for the first time in what seems forever, the voice of the Pacers, Valley Sports Indiana, Kristen Airy joins us. Did it feel good to get back home? I sound like John Denver, the late, great John Denver, but did it feel really good to be back home again? Oh, there's no question. Uh, Good news was, you know, it was, uh, you know, great to see my wife. And then uh, earlier today, uh, daughter-in-law dropped our two-year-old grandson by. I hadn't seen him in nearly two weeks, so. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really good. I mean, uh, 12 days, six games. I think last year we had a 13-day road trip. Uh, so that's, you know, almost two weeks you're away from home. So absolutely uh, glad to be home. And, uh, you know, would have liked to have seen uh, another win or so. I mean, uh, two and four could have been three and three. Uh, but now you have four straight at home. And, and John, with, without Tyrese Halliburton, at least for the first three, uh, these are four teams that the Pacers are – uh, three and 22 against in the last three years. I mean, uh, you know, Denver's got about a seven game win streak. Phoenix, I think has won five straight against the Pacers. Uh, Philly has won seven of eight, but Indiana beat them, uh, earlier in the year. And then Memphis, uh, has, has had a good, uh, winning percentage against the Pacers. So, uh, good to be back home though. And excited tonight to see, uh, Pascal Siakam play his first game here. Hey, Chris, what wanker made up this schedule? I mean, how do you seriously? How do you go out west for six games and then come back home and get Denver and then go back to back with Philly and Phoenix? I mean, seriously, somebody needs to be kicked in the junk for that. You know, uh, I, I I've looked across. I've, I've looked across. I mean, January is always a rugged month. I mean, there's no question. But, but come on, that's a that's a joke. But, that's a joke. No, you're. I mean, yeah. 17 games in 30 days, and, and as you said, you go out, you basically go out west for, for five. You, you started in Atlanta, and then you're right. You play, you play three of the top teams in the NBA and would have been four, uh, you know, with Memphis. I mean, they were one of the best teams in the yeah. Western Conference last year, but they're without John Morant. So, yeah, yeah, welcome back to, uh, home, everyone. Uh, this is who is on your schedule. Uh, on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Let's just say, though, normally this is like the toughest that you play of any of the road games. They say, and you've said this before, too, that you get home and that is the toughest to get reacclimated to. And then the NBA gives you that. That just seems like, I'm not going to run, it sounds like I'm whining and crying about it, but (laughs) it, it seems pretty unfair to be honest with you so uh. i mean we we've said this over the years i mean this first game is almost like you're still on the road sure. uh we we spent the night in phoenix which i like because you you were able to get a, a you know pretty much a full night's rest then we were up early tomorrow two hour mountain uh, time zone difference i think i walked in the door about three or three fifteen but I, I felt like that was better than getting home at six or seven in the morning because that's usually what happens uh, when you come back from the West. So, uh, you know, we'll see how, how they respond tonight. Uh, they had a, they just had a, a, a walk through here at Gamebridge field house and tip off in a couple hours. So Kristen Derry, Bally sports, Indiana's got you covered later on tonight with the nuggets and with the Pacers. I, I Quinn referenced it on Friday in Portland with, you know, that, that layup and then the foul and then Halliburton looking a little bit gimpy, 
Did you think maybe at that moment that it could have taken the type of path that it does? And I'm trying really, really hard not to get freaked over this, but maybe it's just more so of a bummer than it is anything else. But did you think at the time, maybe, especially after you didn't see him play on Sunday, that it could be more prolonged as it is right now with Tyrese Halliburton? Well, I guess the good thing was on on Friday night, John, he continued to play. Is that yeah, he you did. know he played thirty four minutes? Chris. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, uh, but I probably wasn't surprised that he didn't play on Sunday, knowing you were come back coming back home. But then, you know, to hear Rick Carlisle uh, tell uh, KB and Andy today that he'd be out for the next three days or three games, you know, I, I think it's injury management. Um, you want to make sure that that hamstring um, is at its best as you move forward. You still you know, have just a little under half of the season left. Uh, so I, I think what Rick said, uh, you know, the, the training staff just felt like uh, they wanted to evaluate it more. And, and hopefully that evaluation will come on Saturday and then he'd be able to play on Sunday. But it is a bummer uh, from the standpoint that, you know, really looking forward to coming back home with the addition of Pascal Siakam. I mean, if you go back to Friday night's game, even though they lost, uh, the, the starting five's net rating in that game, John, was like plus 50. Uh, it was just one of those nights that the bench, uh, you know, did not play up to the way that they played all year. So I know we're all excited to see both Halliburton and Siakam on the floor uh, together, and unfortunately we have to wait a little while longer. It's uh, Chris Denary with us. What, what, um, what is a very small sample size here, but what's been your impression so far? It's tough to get acclimated in general, but to acclimate on the fly on the road like this with everything else going on, what's been your thoughts on what you've seen from Siakam to this point? Well, I talked to him after the game in Portland, and he said in the four, I asked him, how have the last 48 hours been? And he said, look, I, I've gotten very little sleep. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to adjust to a new team. I'm excited. I, I think he was playing on adrenaline. But you see that his ability to hit that mid-range shot, he can get his own shot. Uh, he's long. I think he can guard multiple positions. Uh, Rick Carlisle has said he would be comfortable him playing the three, the four, the five. I mean, you know, I, I watched Phoenix uh, the last two nights uh, against Indiana and then Chicago last night. And one of their most effective lineups at times is Kevin Durant in the five spot. And I think, um, you know, I think you could see Pascal Siakam at times maybe playing that small ball five behind Miles Turner. You have a lot of depth there with Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson, but it just gives the coaching staff uh, a a lot more options to work with. So I I think he'll be fine. Uh, I mean, he's a two-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA for a reason, has won a title. Uh, I think the Pacers feel very, very fortunate that they were able to acquire him. And as you said, I mean, it it takes some time. Um, You know, look at what happened when the Clippers acquired James Harden. Uh, You know, I think, you know, they they lost a number of games in a row, but they've been red hot since. So, uh, but I I think Siakam's going to be a a really good addition to this group. Hey, Chris, somebody had mentioned to me earlier, and listen, their defense is still not very good. Let's just be frank. But it is better than it was. It's not quite as stinky. 
And I, I think where we have seen some issues, especially in the past two, one obviously with Halliburton, one without Halliburton, it hasn't necessarily been regarding the defense. They've held those two teams under what their normal average is. They just have to reach, Chris. It's so important for them to reach that that almost mid-20s average uh, per points at 125 or whatever. You, if you don't get there then that's going to be problematic. And that I've seen that more offensively, I guess is what I'm saying, than I have defensively as of late from this team. No, I think you're right. I mean, the last two games they've been under 50%, and they're, they're shooting 50% as a team on the year. That's number one in the NBA. And w- where those numbers have been the last two games and the last two losses, John, are really in the paint. If you go back to the Portland game, they were 13 of 34 from the field in the paint. That's 38%. This team shoots 61% in the paint on the year. And then you look back at Sunday's game, uh, they, were, they were good again from three-point range, but it was, it was around the basket um, that they didn't finish. So you're right. I mean, we, we can always talk about the defense, but if you pull out the last 15 or 16 games, John, they're right around 15 or 16 in the NBA as far as net rating, defensive rating. And that's good enough for this team to win games. But, but you're right. They, you know, they've got to get back to you know, putting points on the board. And, and that's the one number that you can look at when you have Tyrese and you don't have Tyrese. I think they're averaging 116 points a game without Tyrese. And with Tyrese, they're at 127. So uh, you know, that's a pretty significant difference from an offensive perspective when you have Tyrese Halliburton. Well, you go back to Friday night, and if there's one thing, and, and all right, 37 with, with Jeremy Grant, that's one thing. But you, you can't give up 50% shooting and 10 free throws and 10 makes from Malcolm Brogdon. I, I thought offensively, more so than Grant, what was the absolute killer was the offensive game, that production that Brogdon was allowed to have. Yeah, I mean, he, he had two really good games against the Pacers this year. Uh, when you look back at what they did back in, in November here at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's interesting, John. Sometimes teams are, you know, certain teams are bad matchups. And, and I, you know, looking at the two games, of the, the way they were played, uh, Grant and Brogdon played really, really well in both games. And the Pacers didn't have answers for either of those players uh, defensively. So, uh, probably a good thing. I think Rick Carlisle said that after the uh, after the game of the press conference Friday night. He goes, "Glad we don't play Portland again because they've been a bad matchup." Yeah, I mean it's just that that was bad, and then you know obviously you lose that game, and that was a bummer. You're so close against Phoenix on Sunday, and besides trying to just isolate Buddy defensively late, which Frank Vogel and company got done, and they have three dudes to do it, don't get me wrong, but they got that done. Um, It was lack of execution, and without Tyrese Halliburton, that's what is so concerning for any amount of time, especially in an extended period of time, is late game execution that we saw, and there was no ability to get a good shot late against Phoenix, and that was costly Sunday. Yeah, and you even saw that a little bit in that Sacramento win, right? When sure. You, you, yes. you played yes. so well, and you you built yourself a big enough cushion and lead that you were able to withstand uh, the turnovers and, and Sacramento making that late run at you. But but you're absolutely right. That's you know as good as T.J. McConnell and Andrew Nimhart have been in a backup role. 
Um, and, and they're going to be key players here the next three nights, knowing you don't have Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, you know, having Tyrese uh, on the floor in a comfortable situation, you just feel much better about your team's chances in, in clutch time. And the Pacers have, have been good in the clutch this year. If you look back at, you know, the wins against Boston, against Milwaukee, uh, in Philadelphia earlier in the year, and a lot of that is because of Tyrese Halliburton. So he, he definitely, you know, I heard you say earlier on the show, as important as Anthony Richardson is to yes. the Colts, that's absolutely what Tyrese Halliburton is because he is he, he is the quarterback of this basketball team. Well, and people may giggle about it, but I, you can make an argument that he is as important as any elite-level player to their team across the landscape of the NBA, and that's nothing against. I mean, we saw 70 from Embiid last night, and you know whether you're talking about Tatum or Brown in Boston or Jokic and what you're going to see or Murray tonight or anywhere, but just the amount of impact and the way the game goes on both ends compared to when you have Halliburton active and when he isn't, that is just like a canyon of a gap to me. Yeah, and, and I mean, you look at Indiana's record; they're twenty-four and nineteen. Uh, they just played Phoenix, who is now twenty-five and eighteen. So they are just a game better than the Pacers, and they're much the same way. I mean, if they don't have Kevin Durant, if they don't have Devin Booker, then it can be problematic for them. the The, the deal that they have is they now have three, and we saw Bradley Beal go to work on Friday night, but. But that's what the Pacers have added. They have added somebody of that ilk in Pascal Siakam, who is an all-NBA player, and you add him to Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner and the rest of the players. I mean, I was on the bus with, with Buddy Heald the other night, and it, it was the game in Portland where he made six threes. I said, Pascal Siakam's going to make your life a lot easier because you're going to get so many even more open looks by having him on the floor alongside Tyrese Halliburton. And then even without Tyrese the other night, he made five. And he made the, the big one that gave the Pacers the, their last lead. So there are a lot of advantages to having really, really good players. And, you know, that's what the Pacers definitely added when they got uh, Pascal Siakam. It's uh, Chris Denary's got the call tonight, Valley Sports Indiana here with the uh, Nuggets and the Pacers. So let's say last time out in Denver as they were embarking on that West Coast road swing. It was a very winnable game. And, I mean, you had you know, Jokic goes for 25, Murray for 25, Gordon for 20. But to me, the difference maker was Michael Porter Jr. And because he was nearly automatic from distance, seven made threes out of 11 attempts that you would really not want to see happen coming up later on tonight. Yeah, I've looked at all their their guys and, you know, they, they're playing really good basketball right now. They're third in the West. And and all of them are, are in their last five to ten games have much higher numbers uh, than they've had uh, in their previous ten. And that's Jokic, and that's Michael Porter Jr., that's uh, KCP, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, Gordon, uh, Murray. I mean, they all are significantly up. So they, they, they are a very good team. The, the one area that they've been hurt, uh, but they've got good enough starters as their bench. They're the 28th bench in the league as far as scoring is concerned. Um, and, and that's where I thought the Pacers really took advantage of Denver uh, early in this road trip. But, again, they've got a two-time MVP. Jokic is coming in off a 42-point game. 
Um, you know, this this is a very, very good team, and there's a reason they won the title last year. Yeah, no doubt about that, too. I'll tell you the other thing, and I, they are so good with their, their starting five that I don't know how likely that it is, but it seems like if you got to their bench, let's say, for example, you get their guys in foul trouble, that's, that's where their Achilles heel can be. Because they got, I know they have a couple of guys, but nothing really spectacular coming off that bench. And I think that's ultimately how you get to them if you do get to them. Yeah, no question. And, and it, it, the, the Pacers bench has been so good all year. I mean, they average uh, 50 points per game. That's number one in the NBA. That's why, uh, you know, to see the bench struggle as they did in Portland, I think if the bench would have played even a little bit better, uh, the Pacers, even with Grant and Brogdon putting up big numbers that night, I think the Pacers would have won that game because the the starting five did more than enough to win that game. But yeah, it's uh, you know hopefully the Pacers can take advantage of that tonight. Uh, and uh, you know I'm excited to see Pascal Siakam. I think the fans are excited uh, to see him in this building, and uh, I, I'm sure he's gotten some rest. Uh, hopefully in the in the last 48 hours, unlike the first 48 hours after he was uh, picked up in the trade. Yeah, you do. You want this to work out so bad. Hey, any news regarding Andrew Nemhart tonight? I know that that was a question mark going in. I haven't seen anything as of late. Have you? No, I have not. I Since I'm doing this interview, I did not go in uh, for oh, the presser with, with Rick. So, But, but somebody's going to have that posted on social media here. So um, well, we got to find you know. it. Hey, I do need something out of you tonight because it always kind of makes me laugh when I see it online. But when uh, Caldwell Pope misses, can you go like Caldwell Nope on a miss, on a three-point miss? That'll make me laugh if you do that tonight. Uh, really, it's all about me, right? So make me laugh. That That's sort of uh, – we had something internal, you know, with uh, Tyrese being from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I think we had challenged J.J. to use Oshkosh Bagosh. And I think he did – I think he used that at some point. So – Maybe I can do a, a Contavious Caldwell nope. Maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll pull that out. Let me tell you this: if let's just things get back on track health wise with Halliburton, and this team starts on a run, have JJ wear Oshkosh Bagosh overalls out there. <laughs> Why couldn't you do that? That'd be great. Yeah, I mean, do, do they make them? Do they? Oh, I guess, yeah. Uh, I, I oh, always yeah. Oh, Oshkosh Bagosh yeah. for kids, but what do you I think they wear in Green them? County? I, I, they'd oh. have to go around naked if they didn't have those. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you tell us where the the store is that we can buy them, and and we'll 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 do that. Uh, Oshkosh Bagosh overalls. Um, I'm guessing right now, off the top of my head, I'm, I'm guessing, what's the uh, jeans place down in Mooresville, right next to Gray's Cafeteria right there? There's a uh, nothing but jeans place where you go school shopping and stuff right there. But I, I can find something closer. I, I know that that's complete like foreign territory to you, Mr. Carmel. But <laughs> if I talk about Mooresville, you go, uh, what, where? Huh? I, I know exactly where that is. It's not far from where you live. Oshkosh, but that'd be awesome. That we got to be in a good mood. We got to get this thing back in a good mood because we got people hey, a little bit on edge. I, I, so. I saw the other night. In fact, I showed my wife when I got back um, the Boston, and I'm a big Brian Scalabrini fan. And uh, Drew Carter is doing the road games, and uh, Mike Gorman. This is his final year. But I saw on on X or Twitter or whatever a picture of them doing the game. And like Scalabrini had like a sweater and a shirt on. I thought 
they looked like college broadcasters. I was like, no tie. Um, it, it was interesting. So, I, <laughs> so, but I don't think we could get away with the Oshkosh Bagash. Uh, um, Wardrobe. What, do I got to sell you guys a sponsorship? I can get you guys a sponsorship for that. Get <laughs> those guys moving right now. You can, uh, during the free throw, you know, the uh, uh, this free throw brought to you by Oshkosh Bagash. <laughs> get right back to the play right Hey, by the way, how do people how do people respond? Do you get, does anybody ever bring up the fact when you go to a, a short commercial during free throws? Oh, you mean the squeezes? Yeah, the squeezes, yes. No, nobody really responds. Okay. I mean, I'm just no, no. I'm I mean, curious. I think that's we've seen we've seen that happen over the last I'm going to say four to five years in broadcasting, not just on our games on Valley Sports, but um, I watch a lot of NBA and that kind of stuff. I mean, the squeezes are are an opportunity for the sponsor during the course of the game to get a mention. So I think it's I think it's worked pretty well, really. You think there's going to be a rest of the story to Adrian Griffin being fired after forty? Three games. I I don't know if I've ever heard of a shorter stint as a, a head coach to start a season than 43 games. And consider where they are in the Eastern Conference. There has to be something more to this, doesn't there? Well, especially when you're 30 and 13, right? Um, I think David Blatt got fired, but he got a full year in Cleveland uh, before he got fired. Uh, you know, we, we were just talking about that. I, I'm sure that... Mo Cheeks going- got fired in Detroit. Um, after 50 games, and then somebody brought up John Beeline with the Cavs lasted oh, 54. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't very long either. Um, I'm I'm sure that going one and four against the Pacers did not help this cause. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that January 1st and January 3rd back to back when the Pacers went to Milwaukee and won. Um, because it had the Bucks players, management, fans, everybody talking to themselves. So it's unfortunate because, I, I mean, 30 and 13, you've got one of the best records in the NBA, and, and you don't even make it to the All-Star break. I mean, it's, it's too bad. And, uh, I, you know, he, he'll bounce back at some point. And he was a longtime assistant, a wonderful player in the league, got a son playing in Atlanta for the Hawks. So, uh, but but it is it's crazy to know that after 43 games he's done. Maybe he wanted like something better than a, a YMCA type of player that they have on the end of their bench. That's Giannis's brother. <laughs> I'm telling you, Chris. I'm sorry. He's awful, and I know why he's there. He's awful, awful, terrible. But the other but the other Adetta Kumpo is pretty darn good. He's really good. Yes, <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Good compliment. Right, but man, yeah. when he gets out, he, he gets out there, and you go, wait a minute, I don't know if you'd get picked at the hyper. No. So anyway, you know, you know what's interesting? Yeah. I showed when I got home last night uh, uh, with Embiid going for seventy. There was a picture that popped up when he was fourteen years old, and how scrawny and skinny Joel Embiid was, and what he looks like now. Yeah. So it prompted me to get a picture of Giannis when he was a rookie. And I showed it to my wife, and she's she knows who Giannis is and watches. But and she goes, "That's the same guy." I go, "Yeah." I mean, it's amazing, you know, what happens when you get to the NBA, and you know, just how much stronger you get and how your body develops. But by the yeah. way, Wes Johnson says Ward's Apparel was his first job in Mooresville. That's what I was trying to come up with—the place for jeans, and I would guess 
Oshkosh, by gosh, for JJ one of these days. All right, you guys um, getting going at 6.30, right? 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock, Quinn and I will be on, and hopefully uh, postgame we'll be talking about a Pacers win. Hey, welcome back, man. Good to be back home. Glad to be home. I had to remember how to drive home. You know, I mean, (laughs) I hadn't driven for like two weeks, so got in the car and it, you know, just – said okay we're going home yeah get that crowd going tonight too i know a lot of people were going man everybody was like anticipating it and there was a little bit of cold water splashed on it today but man these are important yeah like you just don't want to end up losing like eight of nine with all this so just be nice to get a couple here maybe a little crowd enthusiasm will help this group so absolutely absolutely well as always great to talk with you glad we're home and we'll do it again you got it appreciate you Kristen Neri right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline Rob Brown tells me Jerry Tarkanian lasted 20 games with the Spurs back in 92 and 93 if you had forgotten about Jerry Tarkanian's time in the NBA with San Antonio hey We've got Anything Goes coming up after 6 o'clock. Brought to you by Bush Live in Concert with special guest Jerry Cantrell and Candlebox. Coming up at the Everwise Amphitheater at White River State Park, August the 4th. Bush celebrating 30 years as a band with a greatest hits tour coming up. Tickets are on sale right now. LiveNation.com. You can win a pair as a part of Anything Goes, coming up after 6, coming up, 93.5, The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Well, you're going to have to say that. You're going to have to speak up because I can't hear you. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Better crank it up for me, James. All right, Nelly's going to lead, and then... Uh, the incredibly lovely and talented Jenna Jackson takes the stage. June 23rd, Cambridge Fieldhouse. Janet Jackson, twice in my lifetime. I was, um, as I remember, a part of Rhythm Nation. I went on the Janet tour for a minute. Uh, very entertaining. That's, again, June the 23rd. Tickets available right now. And at number 9 at 239-1070. We'll get those tickets to go see Janet Jackson. We're back with it tomorrow. Get on the road coming up Thursday and Friday. Mick Ultra will welcome us and you to the dugout. Our guy Nick and the gang down there were playing NBA Gym. Now, this is great, too, because you can be on your way to the Philly Pacers game and then stop in off Fletcher Place near southeast side of downtown, play some NBA Jam. The high score will win just a choice pair of Nike Air custom-made tennis shoes. I mean, these are badass. And thank you to uh, Zinc, our friends at Zinc and Michelob Ultra for that high score of NBA Jam. And by the way, if you do get the high score, you win those shoes, and then you vault yourself to the finals coming up here. Uh, The finals are in a couple of weeks downtown at Brothers. And with that, the high score will win the arcade game NBA Jam itself. And a variety of incredible up-close-and-personal concert tickets thanks to Michelob Ultra. So, yeah, that's Thursday. Thursday at the dugout, southeast side of downtown. So as you're rolling to the Pacer game against Philly, stop in there and give NBA Jam a go and hang out with the show.
A little bit. We would love to see you. Uh, Tavern Tour Stops on Friday. Tavern Tour Stop, that's 10th and Shadeland. Mike Manley will be in the house. Manley's Irish Mutt. Now, this is the first for 2024. We have new gear to give away. So, neat new T-shirts with me and Brent Halverson and our first Larceny Bourbon, our first Evan Williams Tavern Tour Stop at Manley's Irish Mutt. That is coming up on Friday. So be there. I think Hagen's going to stop out, too. It's going to be a good time. And then, by the way, too, you can be on your way to a Pacer game from the east side and stop in. Uh, the Pacers get the Suns in town, the second of that back-to-back coming up on Friday. It's from Chris, JMV. I think it's funny how everyone was upset the Colts brought a backup running back with the season on the line, and yet the Lions did the same during a tie game in the postseason. Not just Indy doing that, or maybe it's because they actually executed the play executing the play they um they may be at this point a tad more talented too right yeah skivvy says i bet uh coach budenholzer is probably laughing his ass off somewhere <laughs> right now he's the former coach of the bucks yeah that's incredible uh, Adrian Griffin was fired today, 43 games in as head coach of the Bucks. By the way, they're either at the top or uh, in the two-hole in the East, whatever the case. I mean, they are one of the elite-level teams. Evidently have had enough with that. All right, 239-1070. Got something special for you coming up here after 6 o'clock on Anything Goes. Tell you all about it in a second. T-Mobile Ray at 239-1070. Hello, Ray. How are you? Hello, Jonathan. Ray, it's great to hear from you. What's up? (laughs) Hey, man. Just hopped off of work. Um, I was packing my things up, and a a buddy of mine, guy I sit next to um, in Lucas Oil, he uh, sent me a DM on Twitter saying, hey, I got an extra ticket to tonight's game. You want to go? I said, you're damn right I do. <laughs> um, and, and you know what? I know you're, you and your boy are really tight. And I, I just want to send a message out to you to get back to him. 33, you better show up. You better show up tonight. You're going against one of the better centers in the league. You better show up. Show us why your name needs to be in a discussion. And if not... I'm going to get with those guys who um, created that Jess Saturday petition, and I'm going to sign it to get get his get his booty out of town. What? He don't show I up. hate that petition stuff. You're not doing that, Ray. Come on, man. Well, I'm not, but, but, but I will say this, hey Ray. If he if you won't have to see him play bad, just watch my timeline on Twitter. That's all you got to do. You don't have to watch the game. You can just tell by that. Yeah. I, I hope for your sake you're not doing a lot of defending tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'll be on defense probably. I, well, this 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 tonight and then on Thursday. Uh, Thursday is going to be like the worst day of all time. You know what I mean? Uh, That's that that is the the coming. the Embiid. I, I'm glad Embiid put up 70 last night, so that likely will at least cushion the blow a little bit for what may be coming on Thursday. But I will say this. Uh, maybe you got a good game out of him on um, what Friday against Portland. Uh, so yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, 
Tough covers for real, though. So we'll see. He's Thanks, Ray. For hey, yeah, no petitions, though, man. That petition with Jeff Saturday was embarrassing, though. You got to admit. Yeah, it was. But I, I thought it was a little comical to, to think about it at, at this point, you know, how things are shooken out. And yeah, it's pretty funny, though. If he wins that. two more games, he's the coach right now. How about that? How funny is that? <laughs> If if was a fifth, my brother. <laughs> Ray, you have a great time at that game tonight, man. Be loud. All right. All right, I will. I'll think of you. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate that. Going to the Nuggets Pacers game. Yeah, you got to get that place hype later on tonight. They're going to need it. I, I don't often come on here and act like that I'm the lead cheerleader right here. But, man, without Tyrese Halliburton again, done for three games, at least, that's the hope is only three. Um, Isaiah Jackson and Andrew Nimhart are available tonight, according to Tony East. So available. There was some question. Uh, certainly, I think, regarding Andrew Nimhart. And I tell you, he can play a little bit better, too. You know, whether or not that's because of injury. And I know that there's always going to be this wide berth, this wide gap. You're playing without Halliburton. But, man, Nimhart's got to be better. Be better. I'm going to need it from everybody later on tonight. Now, again, Halliburton, at least the three games. The three games tonight versus Denver, Thursday night against Philly, and then Friday against Phoenix. Reevaluation time for that hammy management. And hopefully back on Sunday against Memphis. You know, I thought Chris Denary brought up something interesting. Can you imagine if John Morant would still be active if he wasn't injured? So I don't know what the NBA did, but you talk about a royal screw job right there. That's a screw job. I'm not going to do it, but if any of you want to do it, you certainly can. Look around at these teams that come off of a lengthy road trip and see what they get to deal with fresh off of it and see if there's any out there worse than what the Pacers have to deal with. I, likely there is not. You're talking again, Denver, Philly, and Phoenix. And you can imagine had Morant not been injured, what that would look like on Sunday here against uh, Memphis. I'm assuming there'd be a lot of Desmond Bain fans and family in town coming up on Sunday. Man, that's ridiculous. Coming off a road trip like that. All right, quick break, and we shall return. It is going to be the debut of Pascal Siakam at Gamebridge Fieldhouse in a Pacers uniform. Coverage begins bottom of the hour, 6.30. Today's Anything Goes after 6. It's brought to you by Bush Live. Bush Live in concert. Special guest Jerry Cantrell and Candlebox coming to the Everwise Amphitheater at White River State Park on August the 4th. Bush celebrating 30 years as a band with a greatest hits tour. Tickets on sale now. LiveNation.com. So we got some Anything Goes, and we got your chance to win Bush tickets coming up here after 6 o'clock. Don't go anywhere. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Three, sir. Three. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, Pacers tonight back at home. They get the Denver Nuggets. 
Not bad, right? Considering Denver is the defending champions in the NBA. Uh, Andrew Nimhart and Isaiah Jackson are available for the Pacers tonight. So we uh, talked about that. Kristen Neri, the voice of the Pacers, Valley Sports Indiana a little bit earlier. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. You have enjoyed all season long PFF's Brad Spielberger. He joined us for a variety of things, including why, why nationally there seems to be a rush to judgment on the Colts not considering long-terming extending Michael Pittman Jr. And that is weird. I, and maybe it's just because we're talking about these guys doing their mock drafts. And, you know, you're going to slot them with a wide receiver. Well, okay, so you know, Pittman Jr. is going to leave. You're going to draft a, a wide receiver. And Brad had mentioned that evidently this particular draft is robust with wide receivers. Well, good. Then add. Then add. I'm sorry. I know that you look at this and you go, well, you know what? They have enough. Look what they did here with Alec Pierce. And look what they have here. And Ashton Doolin didn't play last year. The hell with that? Draft it. Draft it or go get it. It is clear, it is more clear than ever that you need as many weapons as possible, and then when you think you have enough, get some more. I know it's easier said than done. What I'm trying to tell you is with the quarterback and the head coach you have right now, old Ballard philosophies no longer apply Yeah, I tell you, not only the weapons, but also having weapons. Remember, you're going to have to reintroduce your quarterback basically as a rookie again next year. Oh, I I do. I trust Shane Steichen more than you know. This is the path you have chosen, so be all in with it. It's great. It it is really fun to talk about up front and the trenches and this and that, but I think we all still understand firmly what this team needs right here. Hey, JMV, you should start a petition against the NBA scheduling. Well, here's the thing. I should start a petition against people starting petitions. Yeah, especially in this era, right? Especially in this era of, of social media and where we are right now. I mean, all of these are just ultra lame. There's nothing more lame than that Saturday one. Oh, you're just doing it because you're buddies. No, I'm not just doing it because we're buddies. We're not buddies, in fact. He's been on the show before. I just felt it made all you guys that signed that thing and those that put it together look like jackasses. And And I'm just trying to protect you. I'm trying to protect you from your jackassery. I'm trying to help. This made you look bad. I don't want you to look bad. Because when you look bad, it's a reflection on me, and I don't want to look bad. And if I do look bad, I want it to be because I am bad, which normally is the case. That's why I was always outspoken. So, yeah, it's just really petitions. I'll start a petition in banning petitions (laughs) and then move forward from there, which is outstanding. Um, I never got this. I never really knew what this was. So Jason, maybe you can be a little bit more 
explanatory for me. The only downside to Pascal Siakam is his first name reminds me of the old computer program language and the awful computer class I had to drop at IU. Pascal. I'm reminded of, uh, what's that dude's name? Pedro Pascal. What did I watch? The Last the, of Us. The last of uh, The rest of us. When does that start again? Can you look that up? Uh, yeah, let me look up real I quick. did get, hey, I got involved in The Last of Us. It was about this time last year, right, when I was watching The the Rest of Us? The Last of Us? What's left of us? I was all over the map with the, the title, but I got into that. Last I checked up, they were somewhere in the Rockies, and it was snowing, and it ended. So it says production is expected to start in February, so it probably won't air until 2025. Son of a gun, I got to wait that long? It's weird, too. That's sweet. Hey, we get this on camera right here. James just, in his hulking ways, yanked yanked the microphone arm out of its spot right there. (laughs) I'm just breaking everything over here. I don't know. They want to go ahead and put that in a little bit more capably right there. That thing came out fairly easy. No, but seriously, I watched... uh, um, the Last of Us. I started watching Euphoria. Unfortunately, I think one of the the major characters took his own life. That actor uh, about four or so months ago. Good, T. He was great in that. But you watch Euphoria on HBO, and while it was in, incredibly impressive and interesting, if you've got teenagers, you go, "Holy crap! Is it like that?" That's why you wouldn't watch it. Um, I may be wrong about this. I think the dude, the actor's name's Eric Dane. <laughs> yeah, it made me laugh. I think Euphoria is coming back too. I just don't know when. I think the only one that's not coming back that I did enjoy. And see, this goes to show you, I can watch some things of today. Uh, winning time with the Lakers. I think that the only one that evidently is not coming back, but those other two would be coming back. Hey, by the way, two Boilermakers, Boilermakers and Michigan tonight, nine o'clock. That is a Peacock exclusive. Noah Eagle and Robbie Hummel have the call. Boilermakers and Wolverines. Butler on the road at Georgetown tonight too. And man, they got something interesting. Going on in Indiana State, but they get Bradley coming up on Saturday. That's a big one. Another one, I believe, on ESPN. ESPN2, ESPNU or something. Yeah, good for them. JMV, I'm digging the big red shirt today. I was actually talking about old school pop and was debating which was better, big red or knee high. We always had knee-high peach flavor in the late 80s. I cringe how much I drank. Um, Big Red was always the best. I think the only thing with me that countered with Big Red was Fanta Red Cream Soda. Those were pretty close right there. But for me back then, not any longer, but for me back then, it was always, and I just, I chugged 16-ounce bottles like they were going out of style. Ridiculous. Wonder why I had kidney stones at the age of 15. Uh oh yeah, Euphoria Sydney Sweeney. Have you seen Sydney Sweeney? Yo. I'll just end this with yo. Anything goes. 
Brought to you by Bush Live and that concert coming up August the 4th. I shall explain and give somebody that calls in as well a chance at tickets coming up. Don't go anywhere. The Ride with JMV. Remember, mum is the word. Certainly, but I'm... Mum. 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 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, a little bit of anything goes. Anything goes brought to you by Bush Live and Concert. Special guest Jerry Cantrell and Candlebox coming to the Everwise Amphitheater, White River State Park, August the 4th. Bush celebrating 30 years as a band with a greatest hits tour. Tickets on sale now, LiveNation.com. In fact, at the tail end of this Anything Goes, we're going to give somebody a chance to win. I will give you the cue to call to win those tickets for August the 4th. And a shout-out to our friends Jimmy and the gang at Live Nation for always being awesome to us. We love it. I see this as bad news. Uh, Charles Osgood, the veteran CBS commentator, he was for a long time the host of Sunday Morning on CBS. Charles Osgood has passed away at the age of 91. I one of the all-time greatest. And, and the reason why I remember CBS Sunday Morning, back in the era in which I had like four channels to choose from, living in GC, when you get up on Sunday morning, rarely if ever, other than um, – you know, Robert Schuler or somebody like that, some Sunday morning, you know, religious programming, there was nothing to watch. And really the lone thing to watch would have been CBS Sunday morning with Charles Kuralt. I believe he started back in the late 70s. Charles Kuralt, yeah, 79 to 94, and then Charles Osgood took over uh, from 94 to 2016. And uh, R.I.P. to one of the great ones, Charles Osgood, has passed away at the age of 91. Big time bummer right there. Yeah, JMV, you're absolutely right. Big Red and Fanta Cream Soda right there with one another. But never, ever be fooled by Fago Red Pop because you bought it for the first time, and you felt it was going to be just like Big Red, and in fact, it was a strawberry flavor, indeed. Yeah, you learned that lesson one time. All right, we got a little Anything Goes again, brought to you by Bush Live in Concert, coming up at Everwise Amphitheater, White River State Park, August the 4th. Tickets available right now, and we'll give away a pair coming up here at the end. 239-1070, anything goes. We promised him a spot. We'll start with our guy, Donk. Hello, Donk. Good afternoon, John. Hey, man, thanks, thanks, for, excuse me, thanks for taking my call. You got hey, it. funny thing, so the Donk Ed is my sales manager at a tool store that I sell for, and she says I'm not allowed to call before five o'clock so <laughs> bear with us. sorry about you know sorry about the absence hey man i thought we had a we, we had a rule on your show no doom and gloom oh so, no hey, man, i know man i listen i, I fought it brother but yes i fall in here right bro i'm you know I, dude i get it man brothers down man but freaking andrew and tj are going to pull us through this and here's what me and donkey are going to do if we don't go six and four this next 10 games, we're going to give $200 to the teacher's, tre- uh, teacher's credit 
And man, dude, we love you. Thank we you, buddy. Kids are good, dude. We that, hope your kid. Go ahead, man. No, no, no. Yeah, kid. One is uh, I think Lenny's playing right now in Mooresville. Man, Doc, I got a problem with my daughter. Like she gets she gets a pass, and I don't know where she got this from. She immediately passes it. What the hell is she doing? Got to put that no, thing no, up, no, don't I you, Doc? Put that thing up. Hey, dude, I was a rebounder, man. I was a team player. <laughs> but no, I said if, if, the, if the Pacers don't go six and four, the, yep. la- the next ten, we're gonna donate two hundred dollars awesome. to the teachers' credit union. Yeah, the teacher, love teachers' you. treasures, teachers' treasures. Yes, teachers' treasures. We love you. Yep. We love your show, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Hey, and if you need tools, buy from Donk, man. I love you, Al. Donk, thank you. Donk on anything goes. Thank you, Donk, for teachers' treasures right there. Yeah, man, it just, seriously. So I went to watch last night, and it was uh, my daughter's team, Center Grove, and Mike Wells' daughter's team, Layla, and and Brownsburg. And Brownsburg ended up winning by five. Of course, yeah, we had a coach that uh, got two T's and got tossed. That's what you want right there. I thought that only happened in Greene County, but evidently it happens up here. Um, but it, was, it was a tough watch. I mean, it really was a tough watch. But I'm, I, I I like for my daughter to share a little bit, but, man, I'm about ready to run down there and go, would you shoot the stinking ball? I don't care if it is broke. Shoot it. Let's just see if it can go in that direction. Our good friend Derek White is on Anything Goes at 239-1070. Hello, Derek. Hey, JMB. Thanks for taking my call. How are you doing today? I am great. You're going to show up Thursday and Friday when we're on the road. I'm going to try to get to one of them, but you gotcha. know – you can probably guess where I am now at my favorite place, Mojo Up Sports Complex, where I'm pretty much here six days a week. We got we like to go upstairs and do the, the shooting training they have with the electronic equipment up there instead of the yard and awesome. That place is awesome. You uh, my, my kids are doing baseball right now. Yeah, say hello to Fred Jones if you see Fred Jones up in there. Fred Jones? Yeah, Fred Jones normally. I think Fred Jones has got something in, in Mojo upstairs there. And, I, and uh, you will occasionally see the former slam dunk champion. Oh, okay. Yeah. A, I think I've seen him out on the court before um, yeah. doing some lessons. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's going to be shooting very well, but he I, he was uh, he was something athletically speaking, no doubt. But you'll occasionally see him up there. Okay. Well, hey, what's going on? I'm going to try to get Thursday or Friday at least one of them, but – um. Well, I, I don't understand the Michael Pittman Jr. talk. I, I guess just dealing with Ballard, maybe he just does not want to pay him and thinks he can get somebody better in the draft. That's the only thing I can think of the national media. I just, yeah, on. and I, maybe it's just the prior thought with him, right? Maybe it is on, you know, not – maybe they don't put as much stock in Michael Pittman Jr. as we do around here. Maybe that's got something to do with it, but – but I'm with you. Keep him and add to him. Yeah, keep him and, and add. add. You got it. Yeah, you got it. And keep going. Yeah, and when you think you have enough, get more. Because we've yeah. seen how thinking you have enough has gone in the past. Completely agree. Derek, anything else? Oh, that, that's all. I'm going to try to see you Thursday or Friday or both. You got it, man. Love to see you. Derek White, our friend right there. It's our Anything Goes, brought to you by Bush Live, the concert, special guest Jerry Cantrell, Candlebox, Everwise Amphitheater, White River State Park, August the 4th. Bush celebrating, I actually talked to Gavin Rossdale last week, the uh, lead singer for Bush. 30 years as a band with a greatest hits tour. Tickets are on sale right now, livenation.com. At some point, 
I'll uh, I'll get that for you. I taped Gavin Rossdale and I for about 20 minutes last week, and he was outstanding. At some point, we'll get that for you. Uh, Gabe's up next. It's Anything Goes at 239-1070. Gabe, welcome to the show. How you doing, J&B? Great, Gabe. Am I the sixth caller for the Bush tickets? Uh, you are not. We have not announced that yet, Gabe. At some point, we will, I promise. I know. I just I always oh. call in for the tickets <laughs> and ask if I'm the sixth caller. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Gabe, but you, you you know what? If I if I could let you be the sixth caller right now, <laughs> I would let you be the sixth caller. What else you got, buddy? So um, I want to put a petition together <laughs> about you. You use the term sports arousal. Yes. I want you to use a sports chub instead of a sports arousal. Sports chub. A sports chub. Um, I. Yeah, I think I could probably say chub. I think around. See, I kind of skate by a little bit because no, they may say something if I say chub a lot. Would they? <laughs> what do you think, James? If I say chub, it it sounds it seems like it's kind of riding that line a little. Like bit Like if more I say, hey, you know what, Gabe? I'm a little bit chubby. That's okay. But if I say, hey, there's Gabe standing over there, and it looks like he has a chub, <laughs> that's different. <laughs> And then one other quick thing. One of the best concerts I ever went to was around 1995 X-Fest. Uh, Weezer, Bush. Mm-hmm. It was one of the best concerts that I ever well, went Well, let's tell a story really quick. On stage number two, was that the show where Goldfinger was performing on the second stage? I believe and, that to yeah. be the case, right? Goldfinger? I, I, I believe you're right. Uh, and the elites? Weezer, yeah. Weezer almost walked off the stage because everybody was throwing stuff onto the stage, and they got up there and said they were getting ready to to leave. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the same concert, yep. Goldfinger, the lead singer of Goldfinger, is famous for pulling down his pants and putting his thumb <laughs> you-know-where um, right up there on the second stage during that show. True story. And and by the way, I've got, I have a great throwing stuff on the stage story. So in 96, I think it was 96, I went to see Lollapalooza. And the headliner was Metallica. Soundgarden was there, the Ramones. But as Lollapalooza would tend to do, they have this eclectic lineup and Waylon Jennings was performing. So Waylon Jennings, which is awesome, was on stage and people were throwing garbage up on the stage. And to a point where they stopped for a minute, James Hetfield came out from Metallica, got on the mic and said, if you blankety blanks don't listen and give this man the proper respect he deserves, Metallica is not going to play a blanking note. Oh, wow. James Hetfield. And it was awesome. Everybody, shut up. Everybody stopped throwing stuff. I mean, really, that's we need somebody like James Hetfield to represent as our politicians. Because that's the guy yeah. that would get stuff done. And he got stuff well, done only, on that night. The only better one I saw than that was the 100th anniversary, the Harley-Davidson event they had up in Wisconsin. They had a huge show. It was Tim McGraw, a bunch of these, you know, uh, I think uh, Deep Purple or somebody like that was there. And the headliner was a surprise. Nobody knew what the headliner was. Everybody thought it was Rolling Stones or somebody big like that. It was Elton John. Nice. Really nice. Well, yeah. you're talking about the Harley Davidson crew in the yep. crowd there. Yep. And it went nuts and people were fighting and throwing things and it was it was it was chaos. Yeah, that, that well, I don't know if this is kind of the same thing. Once upon a time I went through um 
Uh, where's the place in South Dakota where they have the uh, Harley Rally there annually? Sturgis. 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 Yeah, just so uh, we were going cross country and we went through the Black Hills and and stayed in uh, uh, whatever that uh, casino town is right next to Sturgis there and uh, Deadwood. Deadwood, South Dakota, and I went made a mistake of going to Sturgis during this, and I had some wild '90s looking hair. And one of these dudes came up to me and said, "My blankety blank hair looks blankety blank stupid." And I said, "You're absolutely right, it does. I need to get it cut. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't whip my ass." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, thank you for you your time, game. John. You got a game. Thank you very much. Yeah, I know it looks really stupid. <laughs> yes, you're right. Yeah. Just don't beat the hell out of me, okay? It does look stupid. Yeah, all right. Okay, yes. My favorite band, Skinnered. All right. And my hair looks stupid. Uh, JJ's in Muncie at 239-1070. It's anything goes. Hello, JJ. Hey, what's going on, JMV? Great to hear from I'm you. Go home. ahead. I'm the Ball State Cardinals. Always slide the W. You know, I'm coming at you right now. Daymar, Daymar, Daymar. Yeah, talk about it. Talk about that, JJ. Hey, listen, you, you come up with some other words. The last two times you got me. So uh, <laughs> I need to get you somehow. $50 on Daymar. You... I'm going to catch you using the word jack around. Yeah, I know. And... I got to get off of that. I'm all over that right now. Yeah, it's become like my new foobar, and I got to get off of it. Yeah. You, you got... You got one week from today. Yes. But also. Man, I, uh, I don't know. Hey, hey, JJ, hold on. I don't know. I don't know if I'm at a point where I'm comfortable knowing that I can't use Jack around. That's a problem. I, I mean, really, it, it is somewhat new, but you're right. I've completely overused it. It is very much like Tub Thumping, the song when it was released. It's very new, but it got played way too damn much. So that's kind of where I am right now. And also. The instead of chub, what was the other word you used? I use arousal. Exactly. You know what? As much as I listen to you, you now I think about it, you have used that plenty of times. So my challenge is that word you cannot ah. say jack around. Well, I can't say like stiffy. And your original word, Jack Astery. Man, JJ, the problem I have is, you know, my vocabulary's got like three words in it. I mean, come on, man. I will be listening to you as I always do every day on the way home. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. JJ and Muncie, I, I don't know if I can abide by the I, I, jacketing around is, is, yeah, it's in my wheelhouse. See, it's funny when you do this, you will get crutch words and i have i have a bunch and i know everybody cringes here when i use a lot of them i'll give you another one too just by listening and and i'm going to give you two and this is constructive criticism for Swebo. i mean there's nothing wrong with it because i do the same thing we've gone over all my crutches right so Swebo in the morning listen in the morning always listen in the morning but Swebo, they have two crutches Right? Um, Swee of Swebo says diving into about as much as I say jacking around. And Bo says, um, I just lost, okay, uh, uh, um, from this standpoint, hmm. from such and such standpoint. And again, it, 
there's nothing wrong with it because it is harder. It is especially hard for me because I'm as dumb as a stump. I mean, I'm as dumb as they come. I have literally like three to five words in my entire vocabulary. So it's really hard for me. And these guys are much more intelligent and certainly a lot better than I am. But that's something when you've done this for a while, you kind of get, I mean, it's, it's like a tell. If you play poker, you always talk about somebody having a tell. If you've watched rounders before, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, that, that's theirs. And I haven't, I don't know if Jake, see, Jake's vocabulary is like expanded well past all of ours. So I don't know if he he uses anything as frequently as we do. I just I just don't have enough to use. For, I mean, I don't have a lot to choose from here. That's about it. That's all I got. <laughs> Sorry. Going to have to hear it again. Uh, BTR's on Anything Goes. Hello, BTR. JMV, you have the two best words in history. They're jackassery and dumbassery. Yes, indeed. You know, and I wish I would get credit for it, but only from you, BTR. I appreciate that. I want Bush, Candlebox, and I would love to see Jerry Cantrell. What do you think? James? That's your call, I'm man. I'm looking at James right here. Your name's on Jerry the show. Cantrell of Allison Chains. God bless Lane Staley back in the oh, day. Oh, man, you know where to go. You're, you're pulling up my heartstrings right here. You know where you, when you go to Lane Staley, you know where you're going, don't you? And my uh, my work built an MRI shielding room down at Green County General Hospital a few years back. Really? Yes. I didn't know they had one of those down there. <laughs> well, but no, they did a little Wait a minute. The Green County General has an MRI ring? Wow. An MRI room. Oh, they have their own room. I had no idea they had a room. I, I didn't know, honestly, if they were open past five. I didn't know if they had lights. Well, okay. They have, they yeah. have lights on there? <laughs> <laughs> I always thought, I, when I watch, it's funny, man. When I watch around Halloween, Halloween 2, where, where Jamie Lee Curtis is being chased around that hospital by uh, Michael Myers, that was always what reminded me of Green County General. There was nobody there and no lights turned on or nothing. So that's what it always reminded me of. All right. Hey, BTR, you brought you brought up Green County General in Linton, Indiana. So put him on hold right there. BTR can go. Go see the 30th anniversary of Bush. Again, anything goes. Sponsored by Bush Live and Concert, special guest Jerry Cantrell, and Candlebox coming to the ever wild. Do I need to put this on hold? You got it. Okay, you got it. Everwise Amphitheater, White River State Park, August the 4th. 30 years. As a band and the greatest hits tour, tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com. An upcoming conversation I'll have with Gavin Rossdale at some point, which is incredibly interesting. Thank you, Jimi Hendrix, too, of Live Nation for being awesome, as always, right there. Uh, So there you go. All right, anything goes at 239-1070. This looks like my man, who is now 25 years of age, my man, Fulton. Hello, Fulton. Hey, JMV. How are you? Hello, Fulton. I am great. How are you? Doing all right. Did you hear your request on the Jamby takeover? Yes, I did. I was doing my dancing and my singing. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yep. And your request was Elton John, and I'm still standing from 1983. Well done. Yep. I'm a a single songwriter, 
and play ukulele now. So well, listen. I know this because I saw you act in your play in your musical. You're multi talented. I know that to be sure, Fulton. Yeah, pretty much. All right, what else you got, buddy? Well, I've got basketball coming up pretty soon. Basketball, I cannot make on Friday. Friday is my okay. son's birthday. Blake is turning eighteen. So, okay. but I will be. I'll come up and see you at some point. Yeah, we've got a um, basketball tournament on the um, February the ninth. February the ninth is it? That's on. A, is that a Saturday? I think it's on. Is it Saturday? I'll I'll look it up. I'll um, look it up, and I I got I got your email, but I'll I'll come up there and watch you guys uh, actually, hoop it up. Actually, it's the uh, actually it's the ten. Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, just I got your email, so just continue to keep me updated. Okay. We will. All right, on email too, by the way. JMV at one zero seven five thefan dot com. Thanks, buddy. Yep. You're welcome. There's my man Fulton right there. Turned twenty five on Saturday. Requested Elton John. I'm still standing on the JMV takeover. Very good. Yeah, it um, it, it's funny. You get a lot of stories, right? When when you're growing up, I love the fact that so many of you respond <laughs> to the type of dialogue that I have. I think it makes it fun, and I know some of it may be cringeworthy. Some of you may cringe a little bit if you have younger younger kids in the car, and I know exactly where you've been because I, I did the same thing, and it's not like you need my advice. But if if you ever find anything I say questionable because your kids are in the car, just, you know, at some point safely turn around and go, hey, you know what? He's kind of stupid. So yeah, don't be like him. Like use me as a really good example of how not to be. I've always said that. Hey, you know, well, why do you listen to him, dad? Well, you know, he's a good guy. He means well, but he's incredibly dumb. And yeah, uh, even though he's a, he's a good guy, but if you ever feel compelled to explain and to really explain it fairly right there. But I love it. I love the fact you guys go into my dialogue and my extremely light vocabulary and have some fun with it. That is uh, awesome. A hey, good show today. Thanks to all that joined, including Kristen Neri. Bally Sports Indiana, voice of the Pacers. He, Quinn, JJ, Eddie Gill. Got you later on tonight. Denver in town. Of course, we got you bottom of the hour. Mark Boyle, Pat Boylan, Eddie Gill with that call for you. From Cambridge Fieldhouse, no Tyrese Halliburton. Three games at least here. Rick Carlisle, great job by the morning fellas too, by the way. Sweebo with Rick Carlisle with that breaking. Hey, Rick, can you call in the afternoon sometime and break some stinking news here? Come on. I'm jealous. Somebody tell Rick Carlisle if he's going to break stinking news, break it between three and six. I'm jealous. Great job out of the fellas this morning there too. Got them tomorrow morning at 7. Jake at noon. I'll be back with you tomorrow with incredibly stupid material that begins at 3. Enjoy the Pacers. James, great job out of you. Thank you very much. Back in studio 3 tomorrow. Pacers got you covered coming up next. 93.5107. Five the fan. Enjoy. Enjoy.